0: Welcome to Week in Horror. You gotta be fucking kidding. The only podcast that will feed your horror need.
1: The need to feed.
0: With JL. Yeah, I'm a fucking masochist. I'll watch that shit. <laughs> Eugene. Somebody has to be the
1: sex symbol. I'm sorry. Alex.
2: Shit, I just demonetized this forever. And Johnny O. How do you like that shit? Got half of it a monologue. <laughs> Before unmuting myself, golly, it's one of those fucking days.
0: <laughs> With industry guests. Hi, this is Richard Oaks, director of host. Hey, this is Adam Leder, director of Hosts. This is Matthew Mark Hunter.
1: I'm Don and Ellie. And you're listening to Week in Horror.
0: And you're listening to Week in Horror. And this is Week in Horror. And you're listening to Week in Horror. Welcome to prime time. News, trivia, and more.
3: One by one, we will take you.
0: Join our live show Wednesdays at 7 central, slash week in horror, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Week in horror. Stay scared. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) That was having some problems hitting the buttons there for just a moment welcome welcome horror fans it is wednesday 7 p.m central time that means it's time for another episode of the week in horror podcast the official podcast of your afterlife and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast host you can join us here on youtube for our live show so you too can get in on all the bloody fun what are you waiting for join us This week we're covering select horror films released June 5th through June 11th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I am JL. With me tonight are Eugene and Johnny O. Johnny O's in the house. Eugene's on the way.
2: Uh, Yeah. I don't don't want to detract too much because I know you have some things to say, but I just want to say um, to those in Oklahoma who have been affected by yet another goddamn shooting, please do your best to stay safe.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's un- uh, we unfortunately that's what kind of uh, kind of delayed us for a second because <clears throat> it just kind of hit the wire that there was a situation over in Tulsa, um, which is about forty five minutes from where I am. Um, apparently, there was a, a situation down there. I don't have all the details. I don't know. I don't know all the details. I just know that uh, another one went down that literally hit right just right before we went live. So um, it it absolutely sucks. I hope just everyone fucking out fucking
2: quit uh, it, people. Just fucking quit it. Yeah stop
0: it's out of control it's wild yeah i just I, I hope everyone down there is safe um but and i hope everyone listening i hope everyone listening uh here everyone here in the live chat everyone listening here is safe as well be safe out there you know take care of each other so and <clears throat> you know it's uh hopefully we can we can get the situation rectified soon we really really do so i know that you Ah uh, barry is i know eugene was just getting home from the studio and here he is with us Hey, what's up, everybody? Howdy, howdy, howdy! All yeah. right. So, um, the first thing, the big thing that we want to do before we kick off and we uh, start talking about the movies that we've chosen tonight, because I know we're, I know Eugene's looking forward to diving into this first one, is we wanted to send a giant shout out, a huge thank you to our newest uh, Week in Horror patron, Joshua Lee. Who has joined uh the patreon family as a mastermind we do appreciate it uh joshua lee thank you so much so you help us to make this show what it is we couldn't do it without your support and uh thank you for being a listener and of course you know being a patreon so we really do appreciate it thank you so much absolutely
1: yes thank you very much
0: and Joshua Lee's been hanging – been with us on uh, – he was with us on the last uh, After Dark, and he I was with us uh, at the Bloodbath as a special yeah. guest on the uh, – a special guest judge on the Bloodbath, of which uh, we did our – so let me – I wanted to get a take because it was the first time we ever did it, and uh, we did a Bloodbath 30, and those just went out to the Patreons. Those went out early access to our Patreons uh, this morning. And I wanna get your guys' take. So it was it was the three of it was the two of us and then the three of us and then of course Angela was there as well. And Angela absolutely loved it. She adored it as her first bloodbath performance. She actually she really, really dug it. She said it was a lot of fun preparing and doing all that. This of course was our thirtieth, and we decided to do a big huge live event, a big battle royale, where we all got to throw down against one another and see who would win. Um what did you guys think? What was your what was your takeaway?
2: Other than the fact that you stacked a deck against us, I had a great time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's so bitter. Uh, I, no, it really, in all honesty, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, like I said, I reached out to JL and the uh, shortly afterwards, telling how much fun it was. It was a good opportunity for all of us to kind of play up our our personas and personalities. Whereas JL takes a lot of the things I say. Very personal. Very <laughs> <short
3: thing. laughs>
2: uh, most everybody else knows that if it's coming out of Johnny O's mouth, you
0: have to. You Believe it. Grain okay. of salt, grain of salt, grain, grain, a grain of a of grain
2: salt. of salt. <laughs> yeah, you gotta take that grain of salt, break it down, and that, yeah, I mean, it all big honesty, fat
3: grains of salt. <laughs> grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. big, big folks,
2: big folks it, <laughs> down. <Just> i <pick> <laughs> <into. laughs> uh, set the podcast on
3: fire. <laughs> no, it was like I said, I had a lot of fun.
2: Uh, you know, it's always good to give to bust JL's balls a little bit and then. You know, he he thinks, "Oh, you're being you're so salty." I'm like, "Good, I'm glad
0: you think so." <laughs> <laughs> well, see that's that's what it is, you know. Because I'll never, because I'll never know if you are or if you aren't. So I just will always assume that you are. So that way, you know, if you are, I'm taking you seriously. But if you're not, then you get a laugh out of it. And so I'm never in the wrong when right, it comes. No, to that, yeah. because- but, so I yeah, never offend because never. if you were salty, like legitimately, and I just blew you off, like it was like he's not serious. Like no, I really am being serious. You'd be like, what the what the fuck, dude? Well, no. <laughs>
2: okay. So the funny thing is, I know you my
0: really offense.
3: don't give a shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the funny thing is, I know how I am. So if there's ever a time where it's like, hey, I'm really offended by something, I'm gonna. It's a lot quieter. Like we hate yeah. But no, like I said. These are these are characters that we play on this show. It's fun. It's supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be you guys are supposed to hate my oh Johnny just complaining again. That's great. I look great. It works, right? You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Everybody here has their thing. Jail's uh, the guy that you know motormouth, uh, we got the sex symbol down here, and then we got me, who's uh, who's you know the comic relief, or so to speak. You know, color, or, commentary. Color,
0: color commentary, color commentary. Yeah, 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 you're the you're the Jerry the King <laughs> Lawler of the group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting for that one moment where like Johnny says something, and then JL returns it back, and Johnny O just sits there. Yeah, and Jail's like.
3: I'm
0: sorry. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, but it was fun. Times it was an absolute blast. I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it. I also want to know how the live chat, what y'all thought about the live, uh, the live weekend horror bloodbath event. Um, you know, you got to see how we did it. You got to see kind of like how the sausage was made and how we do our funny voices it when we're so sitting.
2: gross when you say it that way. Right? I know, right? No, well,
0: I, it's, it's always a reference hurting. to the. It's, it's always a reference to the jungle.
2: Well, you know? no, I get it. No, no, no. I, mean, I know the reference. But people died.
0: Crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, with the president's reading, is like that, that's how my breakfast no No. <laughs> yeah, when,
2: when President Roosevelt, and now we're talking, we're not talking Franklin, and we're not talking the one that was in, you know, whatever. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Teddy Roosevelt, the guy who got shot and then still gave a speech before he went to the hospital. Spit out his eggs and bangers and was like, no, I don't want this anymore. Not it's anymore. Or,
1: yeah. That's when you know it is bad because Teddy Roosevelt's a man's man. Like he, <laughs> someone stole a boat and he built another one and chased them down.
2: And got his old boat back.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, commissioned a brand new boat to go and catch the other boat. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. But it it was an absolute awesome event. Um, I really enjoyed it. We're looking forward to doing it again. Uh, Of course, we've got Bloodbath 31 coming up this month. Uh, The information about that went out to our patrons, and we will do the big Bloodbath coin toss on the next episode of of Weekend Horror, where we'll figure out it. And and it's really cool because now Angela's involved. Angela is now in the rotation. So look forward to seeing her giving some more uh, Bloodbath debates in the future and see if she can get on a streak and start winning it. Maybe she'll even break my streak. So uh, I just want
2: all the patrons to know that you should feel extra special because you guys have all of the details about the next bloodbath.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't. I messaged it to you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I did in the Weekend Horror admin chat. Because I can keep up with that fucking thing. You're the one who's always posted TikToks in there about why you're going to hell.
2: That's why I can't get <laughs> over there. They really day. are
3: funny. They are
0: absolutely hilarious. The <laughs> one that I posted
2: today was great. <laughs> the fucking lady just ran that bitch over. <laughs> this is so out of context.
0: <laughs> but I did message it. I did message it to you. Uh, I messaged it to you directly. No, you didn't. I most certainly fucking yeah, did. I- Okay, hang on a sec, hang on a sec. Yeah, I'm looking too. Boom, right there, Tuesday, 10.06 p.m. I I messaged it literally right under your TikTok. Let's see (laughs) here,
2: 10.06 Tuesday. no, don't have it. Bullshit! (laughs) I'm looking! You said directly, I'm looking, I don't see it.
0: No, 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 it's not under your TikTok, it's under the link. It's under the link that you sent for Friday the 13th Legacy.
2: Oh, that's probably why I didn't see it, because I walked away from the computer, and then...
0: Ah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see it now. Yes, so that will be our next he, one back. Gene see it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we kick off, let's see who is in the chat, and uh, say hi to everybody who is, who is uh, here tonight. I see Travis Brown is in the house, one of our amazing patrons. Good to see you, Travis Brown. Thank you so much for being here. Ivy Gentry's in the house. Says, Happy first day of Pride, everybody. It is the first day of Pride. Oh, yeah, this is Pride true. Month. It is. So uh, awesome to have you here, Ivy Gentry. Thank you so much. Mystique Tina Jones in the house says, Ooh, guess who could be here for this? Peekaboo. Good Isn't to see it you, Tina. your
2: birthday soon? Isn't it your birthday, Tina?
0: It is my birthday. And, and Mystique pulls it up says, Oh, and it's someone's birthday after midnight, which it is for me, which is my I mean, birthday. Your it your is birthday. my birthday tomorrow. So we're recording this oh. on Wednesday, June 1st. My birthday is tomorrow, um, and I turned, the big me- I turned the big meaning of life. So looking forward to that. I would have said I turned Jackie Robinson. Well, you know, 42. Yeah, I know. Same 91. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, I turned the old number. Jackie Robinson. Okay, yeah. I got yeah, his number is 42. Yeah. Yeah. And let's see. Thank you so much, Mystique, uh, Tina Jones. I do appreciate it. But, yeah, oh, no, my birthday is tomorrow. August. Okay. And then, of course, Sarcasm's in the house as well. Good to see you, Sarcasm. Thank you so much for being here. We do appreciate it. Oh, I gotta fix that. Okay, there you go. Another one of our amazing patrons. Tony Regime as well is in the house. Good to see you, Tony Regime. Thank you so much. We do appreciate you being here. And Sarcasm says, yep, my day off. So I'm playing cat. Oh, very cool. Yes, I see that. I see the cat in there. I see the mountain lion or cougar or puma, however you want to. I I can't tell. <laughs> one of
3: those.
0: Jinju's <laughs> in the house. Says hello, everyone. Cuddle up with either sarcasm or Stacey Jones. If you get scared, absolutely, they will protect you. Charlie Welch, another one of our amazing patrons, is in the house, and of course, the only man on the internet you never make a bet with. I have, you know, I have been thinking about it. I don't even know when I started that, and I've said it almost every time I've seen Charlie Welch. I don't know either.
1: I don't know where it came from.
0: I, don't I, I, I think I bet. started it on a live stream. I think I was like one of my old original live streams on my personal channel. I was like Charlie Welch, the only man on the internet you never make a bet with. And I thought it was funny, and now it's just persistent. And um, that tail he, on that donkey. He says, "Please don't mention the F in trial. Not going to mention it. the tri- You did, sorry. yeah. You you technically did. Rule. We're not going to mention <laughs> it. We're not going to dive into it. You know the results are in, and we pretty much agree with them. So." Uh, i just think me...
2: it's funny that there's a lot of people that are celebrating i'm like what the fuck did you win you act like you won 15 <laughs> we won, we like we won
0: something we won john no we won johnny back we won i johnny haven't gone back. anywhere i haven't gone anywhere i've been here the whole time
1: when johnny wants to be in my movie i won <laughs> We, we, I want to
2: we, be in all your movies. What are we are talking about?
0: <laughs> I'm
1: right
2: fucking here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Angel yeah. Rivera's in the house. Oh, and look at that. We have a brand new patron. Here's a big shout out. Angel Rivera has joined our Patreon. Yes. I don't, I don't Thank you so blood. much. Here. We do appreciate that. As a matter of fact, since we're right here, I'm going to go ahead and add Angel Rivera to the banner.
3: Uh-oh.
0: Yep. There. And save that. Bam. Yes. Angel Rivera has joined the Week in Horror Patreon family. Thank you so much, Angel. We do appreciate it. Thank you so, so much.
1: Yes. Thank you, Angel.
0: And Angel says, what up, everybody? everybody? (laughs) I got to get my evil laugh in there. So, uh, Sir Kemp says, it's sad that the goddamn news is scarier than any of this week's movies. This is true. Yeah, the news is probably scarier than this week's movies. But um i will say we got some creepy selections tonight we really really do so we got some good ones uh real quick i see uh surf is in the house good to see you surf another one of our amazing patrons and i see chris durham music channels in the house good to see you chris durham thank you so much for being here Bud. glober mom as well hi everyone says she says good to see you glober mom appreciate you being here and i see i thought i saw somebody new somebody else oh yes and thank you all very much for the happy birthdays i do appreciate that mr Malord's here yeah. Is he right down? There he is, Mr. Yeah, Millort, all the way from Chicago. Another one of our amazing patrons back. says, Hey, boys, good to see you. Thank you so much for being here, Mr. Lord. We do appreciate it. Global Mom says, "Thanks for making me feel old, JL, with your age tomorrow." Jay, just kidding. Happy early birthday. Whatever, thank you Global very much.
2: Mom. You're like 25 years old. I yeah, you're,
0: you're like 25.
3: Yeah. You're, barely, <laughs> you're
2: barely able to drive. Get out of
0: here. <laughs> yes, Travis Brown was one of the judges over on uh, during our live event. So thank you, Travis Brown, for coming out and being an awesome uh, judge. So you that know, was. He says of that fun.
2: because you picked you picked fucking Damien. That's why. If you'd have picked Mikey, he'd be like Travis Brown. You suck.
1: You suck
3: Travis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tony Regime says, if you blew Johnny off, it might make him smile. Probably.
3: Probably. <laughs> like, it's
2: not like Tony knows what he's talking about.
3: Or anything. <laughs> I see what you did there. Nah, I see what you did nah, there. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, All right. Eugene well, thank you all so all much here. to our
0: brand new patrons. We do appreciate it. Um, and of course, if you want to check out what's available to our patrons, the link is in the description. Yep. You can see all the cool uh, behind the scenes stuff and all the cool little extra things you can get. And not to mention that we do have an upcoming week in horror front row, which uh, was announced to our patrons early. Yep. So be sure to get those questions in for our front row guest, yes. Johnny, Johnny will be send, uh, me,
2: to- send me the email, send an the email to me because JL doesn't share anything with me anymore
0: i most certainly do
2: he
3: he does <laughs> I, I do
2: <laughs> he does
0: <laughs> whatever dude okay so <laughs> okay so wasn't there a new
2: trailer or a new show that popped up or some shit some new thing that showed up um no All right moving not on. that i'm
0: no nothing i'm aware of not well, this
2: one so, so you asked us if we saw some like show or trailer I know the, the Poltergeist, not Poltergeist, um, Firestarter was last week. Yeah. Wasn't it something yeah. that dropped this week? I swear have swore there was something that dropped this week that came out. A new trailer for something.
0: Um, the only thing I know that recently dropped was Stranger Things. And I'm not talking about that because I haven't finished watching the new season. Um, I
2: I thought it, it, it's, uh, I thought the new season was good. At least yeah, half half
0: of the season. We just been I've just been extremely busy, so Angela yeah. and I haven't had a chance to sit down and finish watching the whole season. So oh, we, we want to finish yeah, watching it first. Yeah. Yeah. Don't
2: get me wrong; I don't watch them. I listen to them on driving to and from work. That's the only time I get to watch anything. <laughs> it's like movie on tape.
0: All right. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and kick off this show because we got some movies that we're going to talk about tonight. And, uh, as we kick off, uh, well, this will be going live on Sunday, so technically this is kicking off the month of June, so, uh, Eugene, what do we have up first? I know you so badly want to talk about this one. I I forgot this movie existed.
2: This is is my favorite movie on the list, not because of it being good, because there's so much to say about it.
0: Oh, there is a lot to say about
3: it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there
1: is. (laughs) So we are talking about the Omen, not the original '76 version, the 30-year anniversary 2006 version that was released <laughs> June 6. Oh, Play the trailer.
3: 2006.
0: I see what they, I see what they did there. Yeah. Six- oh, oh, that's it. <laughs> it's big, ch- it's not like they this. made
2: a big marketing deal about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's check out this.
0: Let's check out this trailer.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I would have killed that kid just because. way <laughs> like not snuffing you out. Mm-mm. That
1: kid. That kid didn't look scary at all. Oh, 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 he just looked he like he
2: was permanently constipated. He really did. Like give that kid a noble team. That'll help him out.
1: Yeah, that's all he needs. <laughs> he needs some I good think- fiber. <laughs>
0: <laughs> little, kid, little kid running around with a damn like a damn vitamin d deficiency is what he's yeah. looking like yeah, <laughs> yeah hey, seriously
2: exactly. come on dude get out of yeah. his car a little bit fuck's sake i know you live in london but
1: fuck man they have some <laughs> sometimes i'm just saying i've seen scarier neighborhood kids than this one so like well I...
2: considering the fact that we live in texas some of the neighborhoods <laughs> it's not too terribly difficult
1: Okay, very true. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, you have The Omen directed by John Moore and it stars Julia Stiles, Lev Schraber, Mia Farrah, Mia Farrow, David Thiels, Pete Theulis. Theulus Pete
0: Puzzleweight Postu- Postu- Postu-
1: <laughs> Michael Gambon Gambio. And then, uh, Seamus Davy Fitzpatrick.
2: We'll say Seamus.
1: <laughs> <Sheamus>. Yeah, <Like> Seamus. <laughs> Seamus, <laughs>
2: for not being able to pronounce your name correctly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: hey, Diagnosis Horror, aka Nerd Journals, in the house. Good to see you. Diagnosis, thanks so much for being here. N-A-N-A's you. here as
2: well. Don't
0: forget. And N-A-N-A, I see that as well. Thank you so much. Another one bathtub. of our longtime patrons. Yep. Who says drown him in a bathtub? If only you <laughs> could. If only yeah. you could.
2: This movie was so bad that not even the original kid who played Damien could make it any better.
0: And he did. That was just a, like a little cameo role as one yeah. of the as one of the, the reporters, reporters that was in it. Right. Yeah. Um, what What really bugged me was that the is that David Seltzer is who wrote this, and David Seltzer wrote the original. So yeah, he
2: didn't write anything. He just fucking grabbed his old script, dusted that shit up, and said, "Here you go. I'm done."
0: And pay 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 me, pay pay. Pay. Yeah. All right,
2: I tell you what. That's the most brilliant part about this movie is that the guy got paid twice
0: for the same script, (laughs) for the same script, for pretty much the same story. It's okay. So this this is what was weird is obviously you know the the Omen, you know, big awesome, you know, big amazing movie and one of the one of the legendary horror films. And of course, you know you're going to expect a remake to come along. And of course, they try to give it the the kind of star treatment in this one, given the amount of people that are in this: Liv Schreiber, Julia Stiles. But the yeah. you know the you know heavyweights like David Thewlis and Pete Postlewaite, Michael Gambon, Mia Farrow. You have some legendary actors in this. Yeah. You've got the original writer behind it, John Moore, who's actually a pretty dang good director, directed behind Enemy Lines and A Good Day to Die Hard. So he knows he knows his way around the set he's and he and he can do uh and he can do action pieces quite well right I, I love behind enemy lines well, so
2: here's the thing with this film it's not i mean it doesn't look bad the if we had never seen the omen before if this is the first time we'd ever watched this movie it would be a good movie it really would. It shot great. The suspense is cool. The kills are good. The the creepiness is on point with that Mrs. Baylock. I thought she was a little bit more creepy than the original Mrs. Baylock. Oh, Mia Farrow was, was
0: fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Like I
2: said, there are some great performances in this movie. It's just I've already seen this with different people.
0: I liked that. That that was the thing that kicked it for me was it was Pete Possibly was fantastic. And it, David Theobis was great as Jennings and, and role originated by David Warner. Dave, but this is what was good about it. The legendary actors that are in this did not try to do replications of the original performer's work. What they did is that they brought their own uh gravitas to it. So Pete Postleway was not a direct, you know, a direct copy of it. And he goes, That's why you have these, these great actors. My problem and my problem in this was the kid, um what the hell? The uh I've totally like forgotten his name, which is Seamus, 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 Davy Fitzpatrick was yeah. the kid, but the kid really can't be blamed because pretty much at that age, it's all about direction and how you're being told to act.
3: Yeah. And
0: his whole the thing that makes Damien scary in the original Omen is the fact that Damien is an upbeat, bubbly kid. Yeah, right. You know, he's he's just, just a little. He's just a little kid. This kid, he's you look at him he's you like, want to hang out with. I immediately look at this. He's like, "What is wrong with your child? <laughs> <laughs> Why does your kid blink?
3: Yeah. <laughs> what is going again, on?" You, like
0: I he's said so, oh, he's overtly he's overtly dark. Damien, the original Damien, uh, played by Harvey Spencer Stevens, was not overtly.
2: He had one dark moment. It was the very end of the film after the when he smiles moment, at the funeral. Right, Turn the response of the film. That was it. Yeah. That was
0: like, all right, cool. You're a little fucker now. Mm, you're a fucker. It's you yeah, know like this kid whole...
2: again. Like I said from the beginning, this kid you walking like, no, nope, kill it.
0: Right. And (laughs) I think Harvey Spencer Stevens did a fantastic job in the original one. The direction he got was great. And so my problem with this was despite all of this A-list talent everywhere around it, the primary cast and which is sad because I really like Julia Stiles. I like her performances. The problem is this thing didn't challenge her and she tried to pull too much from the original performance. So it was fairly uninspired. Liv Schreiber is solid. When I mean he, he he's kind of hit or miss for me. Man, I mean, I
2: would, if I would have been Liv Shriver, I know why he took the role because you know he wanted to make money and whatnot. But I I'm sorry, but Greg Gregory Peck was his performance in the original was just too much. It was too good. It was too good.
0: Yeah, well, it's Gregory Peck. Yeah. I it's mean, Gregory Peck. Yeah, what, I mean, what are you going <laughs> to do? <laughs>
2: right. And that's my point. If I'd have been Liv Shriver, I was like, I'll play any other role. I'll play the kid Damien before I play
3: <laughs> this role right. Role.
0: Uh because- yeah, Lee, Re- Lee Remick, the role of Lee Remick Remick was uh I thought was amazing yeah. because Gregory Peck didn't overshadow her. Their energy together, they made a very very convincing couple and especially a, couple, a power couple of that nature how he's an ambassador and then right. she's in the position that she's in and so mm-hmm. I thought her I thought Lee Remick's uh, Kathy was amazing. Julia Stiles felt very uninspired and Liv uh, is either Le- I think it might be Leaf, maybe Leaf uh Schreiber. But he felt out of his element. Now I like him in other stuff, like he was the bomb in fucking Phantoms, and yeah. I really liked Ray him. I, I love him as fucking Ray Donovan. <laughs> yeah, he does amazing work. But they just seemed out of their element. So your 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 primary family was supposed to be the center of this piece, winds up being the anchor that drowns
2: this thing. It Doesn't work. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think the 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 biggest thing is the fact that you know we're watching this this movie we've already seen. Right. You take and away what... the original omen, and I think everything works because you can make that weird dynamic between uh Leaf and, and, and Julia Styles work. You could because you know they're this again, they're this power couple, he's an ambassador. They probably don't see each other very often. So right. you could you could like you could see there being something weird between them, like the reason why she's trying to be so attached to this child and why this, you know, Damien is, you know, the the thing that splits them down the middle, and you could see that. But because we already had the original performances, you're like no, this just doesn't add up. It doesn't measure up.
1: And see, that's the thing. It's like so. I went and I rewatched this, and because I watched it once a long time ago and I went to rewatch it, I was bored.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I just was. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just it
1: uh, like, it, struggled to hold my attention.
0: Johnny's yeah. right. On its own, like if this had been okay, it felt very okay. I, I kept conjuring up images of of the Psycho remake. That's yeah, what it kept absolutely. reminding me of. Yeah. Was just it it, it? it was completely unnecessary. It brought nothing new to the table. In fact, one of the biggest criticisms about the movie was its was its fealty to the original. Is that yeah. they simply didn't do anything new. They changed up a couple of things. Like I know I, I mentioned the uh, Glober mom mentioned that they changed up a few things, like Damien's mother's death. So yeah. like uh, Mrs. Blaylock didn't just throw Chuck her out, Chuck her ass out the window. But and yes, Diagnosor, I did enjoy a good day to die hard. Okay, <laughs> I did. That I didn't have to be. I'm. I'm a. I'm a John McClane junkie. Okay, I really am.
3: (laughs) Did
2: you know? Did you know that Die Hard is a sequel?
1: As a sequel to what?
2: Mm, To what, indeed? It is. It's a a sequel to a Frank Sinatra film. Really? Yeah.
1: I did not know that. Yeah,
2: I I learned this. I did not know that. I learned this uh, from uh, film studies or Netflix one of those two mm. <laughs> I'm serious I swear to god I don't swear know god. I believe it's not, um, it's, not, it's not like a <laughs> long story we won't get into because we were talking about horror films but uh, yeah it is it's actually it's actually a sequel to Frank Frankenstein film
0: Wow that's weird Yeah I was like So the the yeah. biggest issue on this one and the biggest question I like like Eugene said that he was bored almost it also had difficulty keeping my attention as well Because I watch it, I would, you find yourself just waiting for the specific moments, waiting for the scene with the nanny at the beginning. Because you know
2: what's going to happen. Exactly, and you just want to see how
0: they look in the new, like with a new visual style. Right. But the problem is, is that there was something, the existence of the original is what hurts this one, obviously, because we have this, I think, in in my, my personal opinion, the original style, what they shot on. The, the the more high definition cameras that they have in 2006 as, compo- as a, compared to 1976, did the film a disservice because that oh, the the old grainier uh film film stock, I think allowed us to to kind of attach more emotionally to particular scenes because of the way color is portrayed on old film stock the way the way color contrast comes out, and because it's more evocative of an image. When those finally get processed and they get put up on screen the color correction is done on them, colors pop. And this one, it really – just nothing really does. And so it's very I, – I, I was conjuring up images like if they tried to do like a like a 4K redux of like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's like there's a thing about what Kubrick did and what Kubrick shot on that makes that film what it is. And this is why – Old school cinematography, like like old school film stock, is so fucking important. And why that has to, that, that visual appeal is a part of the experience. And can, you can't just like, well, we were going to shoot it on brand new and make it all gorgeous and high def and like that. Uh, you kind of need that. You need that old
3: you know,
2: I hear that. And this is going to sound funny coming for me uh, uh, from an audiophile who thinks vinyl sounds better than than digital. Vinyl does um, sound better than digital. <laughs> you know, I could play... And here's the thing. This has been done over and over and over again. There are very few... But when I say very few people, I mean less than one-tenth of one-tenth of a percent of people can tell the difference between vinyl and digital. Um, the same thing when you get with like 35 millimeter film stock and right. digital that shot two look like 35 millimeter film stock. Very few right. people can tell the difference. Um Again, there's people out there who can do it. Don't get me wrong. And there's a lot of people side to me like, oh, I can do it. I could totally tell. And I could put a test to you and I guarantee you'll fail. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. See, for me, I think that's just something that's us hoity toity snooty fuckers like to say. Well, it was shot on 35 millimeter film because I'm a mm-hmm, oh, I drink my tea with my pinky <laughs> out. <laughs> um,. Whereas the, it's cool, you know what I mean, to shoot a film or shoot a show or shoot a project on thirty-five millimeter film. That's cool. It's all you know, awesome. Uh, There's still people that use two-inch tape in the audio world as well, and it's great until you fuck that shit up.
1: Right. Yeah, I had a buddy lose. Um, I had a buddy who lost an entire day's worth of footage because he's shooting on uh, 16, 16 millimeter.
3: Yeah. And Ooh.
1: he got pulled over, and the cop was like, "What's this in here?" And opened up all the cans.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. I'd have, I'd have. I yeah. probably would have. Get, I would have gotten arrested that night. I would have. Been arrested. <laughs> I'd have been arrested. That's I'd a been so, That's a day yeah. yeah, out. Hey, Skitchcrashers in now. It's good to see you. skitchcrasher says hello. All good to see you. Skitchcrasher. thank you so much. And then we have one Nana board like me, with ninety percent of most horror films.
1: Possibly uh, and
2: UKPI's <laughs> in the
0: house as well. Says binge the Omen trilogy a couple of nights ago, still love the movies. Oh, hello guys, good to see you. UKPI. I was six of those, there's more. It's like well, six the original, the eight. original trilogy. Well, there's the original trilogy, and then there's uh, there's Omen four, four, five and six, and then well, there's Omen four, then there's the remake, and then there's two television series.
2: Could have I, I thought there were more though. I thought it, it doesn't matter that after the first two, they're all garbage.
0: <laughs> well, 3 3 uh,
3: no 3 was Samuel. Okay, Samuel Sam was pretty good. Yeah, okay.
2: It's not something it's not the remake that's for sure. I'd rather watch 3 than the remake.
0: Well, true. True. Yeah. At least 3 is different. Yeah. But, <laughs> so obviously the 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 big question on the big question on this remake given the the how titanically amazing especially after 30 years how cemented in horror minds the original omen is and the legacy of the film in and of itself why would this obviously in my mind is it this unfortunately was another fantastic franchise falling prey to the cash grab uh it mentality was a
2: huge of, cash grab by with, the way yeah it like almost a hundred million dollars
0: well i think it was like it was like a hundred and
2: I think 120. 120 was the box office return on a 25 million dollar budget so right that's I mean I would love to have a return on my 25 million dollar best would be 120 million 95
0: million bucks yeah buddy well everybody's yeah. gonna go see it the problem is just that it's just gonna I mean sure that this is this is what's problematic is that we will we as horror fans because you never know that the movie could come out and it could be amazing there have been some remakes out there that have been absolutely amazing. So, John is a thing. <laughs> I was going to say something like you know remakes like Maniac, like the Maniac remake, remake was amazing. So there are remakes out there that are really really good, but they're few and far between. Yet we still continue to give them a sh- give them a chance. And of course, you know the Omen coming out. Just like uh, if uh, I think there's a remake, uh, there's a remake of The Exorcist coming out oh
2: stop it i know to... right no. so <laughs> if it's a shot for shot remake i'm going to take I a dump know. in the box i'm gonna take a dump in the box and i'm gonna mail it to whoever produced it
0: yeah i'm gonna light it on fire too. <laughs> the, the yes oh the box. let me see here exorcist 2023 <laughs> The Exorcist 20 uh, slated for a 2023 remake and being directed by David Gordon Green, which I agree with. I think that's actually a good thing. Uh, you know, uh, written by William Peter Blatty, and of course, um, let me see, sequel to the 1973 film about a 12-year-old girl who's possessed by a mysterious demonic force. Oh yeah, this um, will be
2: a direct sequel, right? You're yes, it, to it, ignore the second, third, and so they're gonna so second.
0: yeah, but this one they're going to do uh, they're gonna do with the exorcist what they did with Halloween, yeah,
2: get rid of get rid of heretic, which is good
0: because but don't get rid of three because three was amazing,
2: three was good, yeah, three was yeah. good, but three wasn't necessarily well, I guess it
0: kind of was, yeah, that's but I mean. it's uh, it's Blumhouse that's doing that. So just like they did with uh with the Hall- just with the Halloween sequel. So I don't know how that's gonna turn out, but I do know that um, unfortunately that this film was just another uh, in my mind it was just another soulless cash grab, yep. planned well in advance because they knew, you know, oh, that yeah. six, six, 2006 oh, yeah. was gonna yeah. be coming up, just like Six Six 1976 when that came out. They're plan they planned for it again. They said, Yep, that's a perfect time to release this movie and just kinda do a cash just do a grab on it and You know, I still of the mind, and I may be alone in this, because I've talked to a lot of horror fans that don't agree with me on this, but I honestly think it cheapens it. I really, really do. I understand it's a business. I understand we have to make money in order to make more movies. But things like this kind of cheapen it for me. You know, maybe it's because I'm getting older.
2: So cash grabs like this definitely cheapen. Yeah. Because you can do... You can do a remake of a, of a old movie. Or you could do a remake of Yeoman. But doing a shot for shot, what's the point? Right. Just, why don't we just watch the original?
1: Yeah, we've seen it already.
2: Right. And that's, what again, we all the kills, all the kills in it, we expect do, do what
0: they did with Suspiria. Yeah. Because Suspiria was not a shot for shot remake. And the Suspiria remake was fucking phenomenal. You know, yeah. use the advanced technology that we have To maybe uh, to to ramp up the the you know like the the horror of the kills or or you know the things that we can do with cameras now that we couldn't do then use the use those techniques to really play up the surrealistic insanity of what's going on in the dance academy. That's how you do a remake, you know, honor the original. By honoring their story, by telling their story, that story, yeah, but telling and you
2: can use some story. of the you could use some of the moments from the original. I get it, right? That's what you know, you, that's how you tie in old older audiences with the newer audiences. But shot by shot, my goodness! Oh, uh, Tony right. regime. It was invited for you guys too. This was a Sinatra film called The Detective that that Die Hard was a sequel to. So Sarcasm
0: that. says, Well, I think it's good to have these classic films make it uh make it to entertain another generation. Why not just touch up and re-release the original? You could always do that. You, you don't could. even
2: have to touch it up, you can just say, Hey guys, go check out yeah. this movie.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And see, and see,
1: the issue is as is we're getting with the newer, newer, newer generation that's coming out, is a lot of them are kind of turned off by, say, some of the old effects. Some of if you some of the old effects, some of the old shooting styles. If it's like if you weren't necessarily growing up and growing up with it, if your parents are cinephiles, and they're showing you a lot of stuff early, then it's right. going to be the end. But I know a, a lot of kids that they only like to watch recent stuff, they only like to watch modern stuff. It's because oh, yeah. they want the sleek look <laughs> yeah, that's they, what they're right. used to versus yeah. going back and watching the 72 Exorcist or the 76 Omen, right? On
2: it. So I remember the first time my wife walked in when I was watching they live, i know not they live, but the thing Drunk Carver is the thing. She walked in. She's like, "This looks cheap and cheesy." I said, "Get the fuck out!" <laughs> get out! <laughs> Fucking classic movie here, and you're shitting all over it.
0: Oh, and if you and if you go into the details of how they pulled some of that shit off uh, in the in the original, oh, yeah. one, how they, oh, yeah. it's it's freaking wild. The the, yeah. the 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 times when they had to run, the, when essentially, the scene you're watching is running the film backwards in order to get the effect that they wanted, and. Yeah. The, the the shit that that uh that Botton was able to pull off uh, oh man they just... were
2: they were pioneers in in the special effects it's doing shit like that man you right. again up until that point what did they have nothing they kind of wrote you you had Harryhausen, right but we're not doing stop motion anymore but we are but we're not but we are yeah so, you know what i mean
1: uh wrote no no last name Yes, the Raiders of the Lost Art done by kids. I don't know if y'all know the story about that. I haven't seen this. So this is so basically what ended up happening was uh, it was a group of kids around the age of like twelve that went to go see Raiders of the Lost Art. They loved it so much they decided to do a shot for shot remake. I said they're twelve. Wow. A shot for shot remake. It took them six years to complete it. But they did every shot, the burning bar scene, the being dragged under the truck scene. Really? And, like, I mean, first of all, they burned down their uh, grandmother's basement filming the burning bar scene. Nice. I mean, it was like renting a friend's pickup truck. And then you had the kid playing indie being dragged by it. And it's just, like I said, they're a bunch of high school kids. And, like, they destroyed so much stuff in the process. But they finished it completely. And um, I don't know if you can find it on YouTube, but the story recently got out got, got out a couple of years ago, and so now a studio wants to make a film of them making it because they went through this whole process. It's actually kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. That's
2: um, they, it's, it's cool. the original suited.
1: Yeah. That's very cool. Oh, mm. <laughs> so and this is like VHS tape style when wow. they made it, but
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an incredible story. Awesome, awesome. Well, this one definitely failed to live up, unfortunately, and uh, it, it's very, very obvious as to why the critics pretty much uh, you know went after it, and the hardcore Omen fans pretty much went after it as well. Despite its technical, you know, it, it technically it's superior to the original, but it just loses something in the in the translation, and unfortunately, it's just one of the, one of those soulless remakes that we just chalk up there with
2: technically superior or just technically more modern.
0: Oh, yeah, more contemporary technology, I would I just say. The, I mean, yeah,
2: I thought the te- specifically
0: speaking, the 76 omen was shot great. Oh, uh, it was shot brilliantly for yeah. you know, for what they could do in 1976, of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I'd actually I want to ask the audience, what is your favorite omen franchise entry? We talked about the numerous films that have come out, plus I think it's two TV shows. What is your favorite omen franchise entrance? On it, so leave a comment below or shoot us an email at weekendhorror at gmail Alex room. needs material to read.
0: Yeah, Mister Millard says the Omen the second best horror movie featuring the Field Museum of Natural History. Mm,
2: what was the first?
0: Um, the field the, the I believe that's the Chicago Field Museum of Natural History, and I think that would probably be the Relic.
3: This is the Relic,
0: or was that the Chicago Field Museum? Or no, no, Ghost in the Darkness Mm. because the two two Savo lions are are displayed there the Mm. two Savo man eaters if I'm correct let me know if I'm correct if it's Ghost in the Darkness Mr. Malort.
2: oh he'll tell you I'm sure he'll Mm. tell you All right, we got one of my I don't know how it's not one of my favorite movies but it's definitely a very enjoyable film and I pulled the wrong notes just one second while I pull up the correct notes there they are. All right, so we're going to talk and dive into a movie called Poltergeist 3, which is a 1988 uh, sequel to Poltergeist 2. Roll that beautiful bean footage. It's got to be the worst trailer.
0: <laughs> well, that, it's the third film in the in the franchise, so... Sure, yeah, you already know all that. It needs the... no introduction, just yeah, Poltergeist still, 3,
2: you know. You know, we get Nancy <laughs> Allen for like half a second, like, was that Nancy Allen? I can't tell. You, we don't even know that what's her name is in it uh, heather, the, O'Rourke. heather o'rourke we don't even know that she's in it by this trailer and unfortunately she had already passed by the time this movie came out so you know fucking hell i guess that's how everybody knew she was in it but speaking of which so yeah uh, american supernatural horror film poltergeist 3 co-written and directed by gary sherman and starring tom scarrett <clears throat> nancy allen and laura flynn boyle um and we had Heather O'Rourke and Zelda Rubenstein reprising their roles from the previous films. Uh, so basically, we have Carol Ann, who uh, for some reason lives with Tom Skerritt before he goes off on his alien adventure, uh, living in this apartment <laughs> complex that is.
0: <laughs> this is <was> after Alien.
3: <laughs>
2: Obviously not because Tom Skerritt is dead in Alien. Duh. <laughs> talking about canon not talking about actual release dates Jesus Christ <laughs> anyway Carol Ann brings the, the ghosts of her past with her to this uh, giant tower that's a big cock in the middle of downtown Chicago
3: <laughs> you're ridiculous yes I know, yes, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i have to uh, so i have to admit and uh we got some uh, travis brown mentioning yeah it was very sad that this was heather o'rourke's final really film really before was. she paid yeah, she said
2: you know, the thing about that is it, her death was very preventable and she right. had they sought the correct treatment because she had Crohn's, um and that caused her to go into sepsis because she had a flare-up and they she was misdiagnosed as just being fatigued i think
0: it was like an intestinal blockage that resulted in sepsis as a result of her of her crohn's disease and um because she was misdiagnosed it wound up resulting in her death which was a and it was really quick
2: too yeah it was damn she was a very talented young lady um she was very convincing and even from the the you know the first poltergeist she's what kind of sold those films you know that little carolina little baby faces little cheeks oh come go on up.
0: there here is one of yeah. the is yeah. one of the iconic lines yeah
2: really yeah definitely <laughs> I mean, Top 10, you know. up
1: against the tv like yep. i mean that's just that's an iconic it's, moment
2: it's another one that has been referenced more times in a little bit
0: definitely yeah. and of course travis brown brings up uh laura flynn boyle's first film this was her first film yeah. um and uh, yes, and Mr. Lord is correct. It is shot in the John Hancock Building, uh, which is in downtown Chicago. Absolutely. Uh, the I'll, I'll, I'll say this: I it's been a lo- it been a long time since I you watched. This movie.
2: how I, did you see why I called it a giant cock? Yes, I,
0: I we got it. We just making sure you were able to
2: put the pieces together.
0: <laughs> yes, it's in the in the words of Tyler Jordan, it, it's very clever. Very clever. <laughs> Keep it up, way up.
3: <laughs>
0: Does that work for you?
2: See what you did there. See what you did Does it work right? for you? Being well clever, faith.
0: well. Played. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, the one thing that got me about this one is I had forgotten how creepy this movie is. There are
2: some genuinely scary yes. moments in this movie.
0: For, I for saw the...
2: this when I was really young. Well, not really young, but younger. And I, I think I was that... I was eight when it came yeah, out. So I right, probably saw it out around then. Yeah, yeah right. And that part where uh, she turns into the fucking what's his name at the end of, of course, at the end of the film where she's mm. like and then she all just turns back and there she is that mo- like, Oh fuck me,
0: kill that kid. <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm like, no, 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 no,
2: we don't want to do that.
0: So, yeah. The uh, the new actor they got to play Kane, because they had they did have to get a new actor to play him from the original uh poltergeist. Yep. And I think in this particular one, it was um, yeah, it was uh, Nathan, Davis Nathan Davis, who no. yeah, it was Nathan Davis who played him. But in the previous one, I can't remember. I think it's the guy's name was Kristoff or something. Or
2: uh, I just had it. I just had that one up. Believe it or not, because I had the wrong movie up. Son of a
0: bitch. Oh, is he? Uh, was Corey Burton? No wait. No. No, he provi- uh... No, Corey Burton provided the uh, provided the the voice work for Kane.
2: Yeah, that was no, that's Pugsley. What the hell? Give me the cast. Uh, I don't. What the hell?
0: Holder guys <laughs> to the other side. That was um. Oh man, you think we'd have the, have like this this memorized? Julian mm-hmm. Beck. Julian Beck did not uh, was not recast to play uh, Reverend Henry Kane. But, um, the dude who did this was, did a serviceable job, but like I said, the, the film was a hell of a lot creepier than I it was. It was creepy as fuck. And I did, I'd i forgotten how creepy it was. Particular scenes in it, like, the the, uh, the scene with the mirrors when the, when the fingers come out and grab her and have yeah. got her on the mirror. Yes. Um, the, uh, was, was particularly uh, all of the mirror shit. And, uh, Angela had actually never, had not seen this before, so I showed her that, and I showed her this one particular scene while I was watching it, and it was the one where Tom Scared is talking to Nancy Allen and they're having their conversation in the bedroom and then he goes, and she's like, oh, they're having a good little moment. She's like, go get dressed. And he turns around and walks away. And he's still standing there in the reflection in the mirror. Yeah. And then yes. she turns and she sees him and then he turns around and walks away in the mirror. And so that was what got me about this one was, oh, that's right. Diagnosis or is recast? He was dead. He couldn't be yeah. recast. This is true. Yeah, he had passed away. He
2: was recast I, because he was a real poltergeist.
0: I heard that there. Well, I heard that there was also some issues with him as well. That there was some yeah, behind was dying. the scenes.
3: <laughs> that was just, was dying.
0: Anywho, so. <laughs> but one thing that got me with this one, especially in 1988, was because the, the same year that uh, that Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven came out, yep. and a number of solid, a number of really really good horror films came out. But th- what got me in this one was the camera work. Going back and watching it again because it'd been so long. Mm-hmm. Was pulling off what they pulled off with all the mirrors, because yep. essentially this is what they were. They, the whole movie plays off the trope that the mirror is kind of like the alternate, kind so of like an would, the, yeah, right. alternate reality to us, right. like the mirror universe in that respect. And they were playing that where things were on the other side and could try were attempting to come through. And of the course, original you know,
2: upside down, by the way, for people who didn't make that connection, Stranger right. Things,
0: mind you. And that got me, and it got me just trying because you know, oftentimes us being filmmakers when we watch a movie. We don't see it. We don't really often see it from the perspective of just the audience watching it. In our head, we're often watching it. We're enjoying it. But we, in our head, in our mind's eye, we know where the camera is. We know where the camera is. We know what the camera is doing. Right. We know what people are doing on the on the sides. We know where pretty much we see it from the director's point of view. Because mm-hmm. yeah, we've been on enough sets. We understand. It's Like okay, so I see how they did this and they timed this. It it still kind of blows my mind the ca- how they pulled off the camera work. The practical camera work with all the mirrors it's in it, care it, the mirrors in Caroline's bedroom the mirrors in the right. hallway the I mean everything they did was was stellar fucking work and I think one of the unsung beauties of this movie that lent it to, that really lent to the atmospheric uh creepiness
2: so one of the things that we would do nowadays I'm gonna say this one thing and then we'll turn it over to the the other the other uh intelligent filmmaker of the group um, <laughs> who's also the sex symbol one of the things that, that we would do nowadays is we would remove all the mirrors and just shoot through and then digitally add in whatever we needed to add in later or so do a double shot right with either green screen and then you know we pull in the other because that makes it so much simpler right you put a green screen back there you don't have to worry about any reflections you can move the camera anywhere you want or you do the practical version of it where you do no mirror there no no glass and you have like Lyndall Hamilton just happens to be two of them. So you put one over here and one over here, and then you, you know, they perfect pantomime, and that's another way to do it. Um, but yeah, the fact that this one, I don't remember, I don't remember my research if they were doing green screen or blue screen stuff. I think this was done all practically.
0: Yeah, there was only one, there was only, there was a single visual effect shot that was added in post in this movie, and that was the lightning flash over right. the building. But everything else that is done was done practically. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That and looks see terrible.
0: that is, and, and, and it looked, you could tell. You could be like, "Yeah."
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, this when you work with mirrors, mirrors are hard. Mirrors are yeah, very, are. very. Yeah. We were we were dealing with stuff on a shoot um, about this, uh, like this kind of a, a, a film, like noir kind of thing, and we had a reflective car, and that was difficult to shoot around. Just a car, and you just yeah. seeing, still seeing the outlines of the camera. When you, have all those, when you have all these mirrors you're working with, the, this, the angle of it gets very important. So there's a lot of times there's certain things where you will do, like, for example, if you have somebody who's there in the bathroom and they're looking like at a mirror, there's a lot of times they'll do some digital stuff. Sometimes you they'll actually cheat and the mirror will be angled a certain way mm-hmm. so you don't see the reflection. So it still looks kind of straight on, but it's actually not a straight on shot.
0: Um, just end, like yeah. it, it, like you mentioned that there's the ba- the bathroom scene the towards the very beginning when Laura Flynn Boyle is doing her is doing her makeup when Debbie's doing her makeup in the uh, in the mirror and make sure I got her I got her name uh,
3: I believe it was Donna when
0: Donna when Donna's doing her makeup in the mirror because she's about to go out to the party and she's up close so she's doing her makeup and then Carol Ann comes over the side she's like uh you look great she's like you look great you know remember less is more and she's like ah she turns around. She turns, and the doors close. There's a knock, and she turns, and the doors close. She opens up, and there's Carol Ann standing right there. But it's all one fluid shot.
2: Yeah. Which was
0: just brilliantly done. And I'm still kind of, like, trying to wrap my head around how they pulled it off. Some other people are pulling up, like, uh, Rodan L.S.N. brings up the the Evil Dead 2 mirror scene. And then, of course... um, Somebody brought up uh the uh yeah Donnie does that. Good to see you Donnie does that. Thanks you thanks so much for being here. It says the running to the mirror scene in the beginning of contact. Still kinda, oh, yeah. it, that the still way kind to blows my that way out. Out. Yeah,
3: that
2: seamless transition. That was fucking that's a
0: yeah. master class in how to edit
2: that seamless transition <laughs> and then when it turns fuck, that was so good. So you can't tell that it's two shots.
0: You know what it also would also uh reminded me of there were there were two films that kept that, that popped in my mind, and the first one I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, was Chasing Amy. There's a sequence when Ben Affleck and, and Joey Lauren Adams are walking down the street, having their having their fight, which culminates in them you know culminates in the, in their relationship forming. When they're arguing and they're walking in the rain down the street, but as they're walking down, they're walking in front of a shop, window like like a strip mall.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: they're walking along, and the the camera crew is following them in the rain, and there are some, and it was very very. They did really, really well because it's at nighttime and everything is lit by streetlight, and so you've got the rain coming down, and we, you know. But by the way they're able to position everything, you can barely see the crew, like in the reflection as they're following them along. There's just no way you can you can get rid of that. You, I mean, you try and play with it. And yeah. the other one was Terminator Two, because there's a deleted scene in Terminator Two in which uh, they're taking the chip. Out of our out of the T 800s head, out of Arnie's head. And there's a whole like deleted scene where they pull the chip out and, and Sarah Connor almost destroys it. The whole scene was done, and there was a mirror in the background. And the setup for that, watching the behind the scenes on that was you had Arnie, and you had you basically so you have the sequence here where there's a mirror here, Arnie's looking in the mirror, and then Sarah's working on his head, and then John is nearby. So you actually had Arnie on the other side, there was no mirror. So it was two sets, right. Designed to look mirror, des- designed. So that's what to they be- did.
2: That's what they did with the bullet pulling scene earlier in that in Terminator Two. So they had Linda, right. Linda Hamilton and her twin sister, and they had Arnie, and then it was like a perfect mirror of it, right? Well. And then so yeah.
0: doing that whole sequence where it's Arnie sitting across from them, and then a stand-in looking looking across, and right. then miming miming each other's movements, yeah. which they do a lot in in Poltergeist Three. Was a little girl who like was like virtually identical to carol ann uh to uh heather o'rourke and then pulling off all of the stunts and of course it's always fucking creepy when you have the mirrors there and then people move differently they move the same but the but the timings off always yeah. creeps me the shit oh, yeah. out. you know it
2: it's... works for poltergeist right because that's like the whole thing so it works they didn't have to be too accurate because part of the creepiness of poltergeist is all the subliminal shit like right. you don't know, when you see that stuff when it's done really well, but it's still just a wee bit off, you don't like it's not something you're gonna be, I got it, you know, the first time, but sub- subliminally you pick up on that shit, but things are just a little bit unnatural. like, I don't know, that little the there.
1: uncanny valley, yeah, uh, thing right there. But the, the, you'll get also get a lot of shots in films that you won't know they're mirror shots. Right. So a lot of times when you look at on a film set, for example, if you have somebody saying they're they're in the kitchen. And it's like the camera's like dead up, uh, dead on them in the house, and they're in the kitchen, and maybe there's like a normally a wall or something like that. A lot of times they'll actually use a mirror entire in front of the entire camera to cheat the camera being in front of them, and yep. you never even notice it. Yep. So that's they do
0: that a lot in film. Donnie does that brings up intentional uncanny valley yeah. to, to yeah, mess with to mess with it, and that was that's why I think uh, *Poltergeist* three is just a masterclass in perspective. And creating, you basically just using mirrors and uh, playing with perspective to create a truly atmospheric movie in something as sterile as a skyscraper. Because yeah. unlike the unlike the warmth of the original films, where because you know the original one directed by direct, co-directed by Steven Spielberg with Toby Hooper, but in yeah. the original one you had the warmth of the directed family by... home, and in the second one you had that as well. Was you had the family home, you had this area of safety. Whereas in the skyscraper itself, despite the fact that people live there, it it, it has a very sterile feeling, a very yeah, yeah. Um, the dimensions of it are so. Uh, was the symmetrical? There's a so symmetry linear, to it. That, yeah, right, Yes, there's right, a symmetry right. to it that doesn't exist in a home. So in just your, your standard family home, which really plays with – then, Of course, you're you know bending light and bending perspectives in that. Really, really played it. And I think this was a magnificent third film. Uh, going, I mean, as far as I'm... It's a fucking shame it was the last one. And that kind of brings us... Because we got to talk about it. And that is the Poltergeist curse. That we haven't, ad- we haven't yet addressed on the show yet. But everybody knows about it. Yeah, there is... So there is what they call the curse of the Poltergeist. Because
1: you had two primary cast members... Untimely Pass Away, which you already talked we already talked about Heather Work, where she mm-hmm. passed away February first, nineteen eighty-eight, before this movie came out. So this is why this is her last film. And then you even have, have the- to
2: reshoot the uh, to like change the ending because she passed before they could film the ending. It's, if I remember correctly, they had to reshoot the, the, the back think- end of it because her and the and Zelda, um I can't remember Zelda, Zelda Zelda. I can't remember her last name, but there was something going on that they had to reshoot the ending. It changed yeah, up a little bit because Heather O'Rourke passed and then some other stuff happened. Yeah, apparently she,
0: she'd been ill. She'd been ill with flu-like symptoms for pretty much when they started shooting in the spring of 87. And then uh, after O'Rourke completed filming, she returned home uh, with her illness appearing to be in remission. However, in late in late January 88, she suddenly became ill again and rapidly deteriorated. She passed away on February 1st, barely a month after her 12th birthday um it was during poltergeist 3's post-production period
3: mm.
0: yeah on it and
1: so then on top of that you had the eldest daughter passed away also uh dominique dune
0: she
2: didn't pass away
0: well, that,
1: she didn't pass away she true. was strangled to death
0: Fucked. Um, that was that was yeah. awful and i i remember hearing about that in the news because yeah. i lived in san diego at the time so that was all over the news when that, yeah. when that took place
1: Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was a whole shit show. And the guy, it was her her boyfriend or ex boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, And he only had served three years in prison for the entire thing. But yeah, so you, you, right off the bat, you have like several deaths. Uh, Some people blamed because on the original Poltergeist in the pool scene, they used real bodies instead of. So fucking insane.
0: Because it was cheaper.
1: It was cheaper to use real bodies than it was to make fake skeletons. Yeah um on it and so a lot of people have, have contributed to the possible curse of doing something like that on it uh there's been uh, like I said, other explained things you've had a lot of cast members pass away untimely it's just been it's been this like I said, the curse and somebody was actually supposed to make a film called curse of a poltergeist a documentary that was supposed to start filming uh around 2015 but i think it kind of stalled out in production because it hasn't been released yet
2: I thought that something was like, I guess it was like an episode on that Shutter show where they talk about it, different
1: things. It was featured on episode. This
0: was supposed to be a full length documentary. Full length
2: documentary, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's it's it's absolutely it's absolutely nuts. Um, they, they I, I, I've never uh, did, did. There Joe were Beth crew was-
2: members too that uh, that passed untimely as well. So it kind of you know, was not just there was a stunt was a stunt person who passed and then. Somebody else I can't oh. remember, but there were like a plethora of people.
0: Well, they, yeah, there was, uh, and then of course, because uh, well, it, it was Heather O'Rourke. It was it was Heather um, Heather O'Rourke and Dominic Dunn. and there and it, she had, and I still remember one of the best intros. The deal with it, when the construction guys are hitting on her, and she does the whole like, eh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 I got I I got to I did. Jo Beth Williams ever say anything about finding out that she was in that water with corpses?
3: Oh. I don't think she's
2: ever talked about it. I think she's probably permanently scarred.
1: Yeah, I don't. I haven't. I haven't found anything.
2: That would be. That'd be I, I'm sure that was a question that was asked of her several times. It has. It has to have been. There's not a reporter out there who wouldn't ask her about that. I would ask her about that. And I'm half a reporter.
0: Man, she should probably well, just refuse to answer. Yeah, uh, no, there we, was Julian Beck and Will Sampson passed away after the second film. Um, although uh, Julian Beck passed away uh, after being diagnosed with stomach cancer, and then uh, Will Sampson, who played Taylor, who was the Native American um, yeah. shaman, he died after going a, transpl- after a transplant surgery. But the the you know, the, the odds are slim on that one. But of course, there was also talk about um, issues do uh, issues during during production as well. And it was weird because it's similar to there was similar uh, similar kinds of events, weird stuff going on similar to the exorcist and what happened and stuff that happened on the omen as well the original omen right. so just weird just things going on and strange stuff that they couldn't explain um there was uh and uh, there was a uh, Samson uh after filming the or was it it was a thing it was in an effort to creep people out during the second film he actually performed a legitimate exorcism during the second one which Creeped people out and you know, get and and left the film left uh, from what I from what I'm reading, left the production with a kind of sense of foreboding and dread right. over the whole thing. So it's the f-
2: film equivalent to that Scottish play.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, it. Was just it's weird um, uh, in my mind what just weird coincidences that were attached to that. I mean, obviously it's really really freaky that uh, real corpses were used in the pool scene. I'm kind of curious. I have to look up real corpses job oh, wow somebody else has googled this before me uh um,
2: that's got to be a common question around yeah it. because that's not just something that's just hey hey uh swam with a bunch of dead guys we're not gonna ever ask you about it
0: yep <laughs> remember this Spielberg dumps Joe Beth Williams in a pool with real skeletons and
3: guys. That's <laughs> fucked up, right
2: because Spielberg didn't direct it yet he gets blamed for it How, why is that Toby Hooper Toby Hooper dumps her enough because we all know Spielberg directed this
0: motherfucker, right? Well, yeah, it was Spielberg's call. Yeah.
2: It was Spielberg's call and
1: it was Spielberg's chair.
0: Oh no, it says here that she was pretty. So there's, uh, there's, okay. So while the jury's out on who directed the film between Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg, there's no doubt that both of them were aware of their authentic props. Well, their authentic props. <laughs> not even, a prop is a dead body, you motherfucker! What, what's even stranger <laughs> is that Williams was pretty much cool with it, stating that she was far more concerned about being electrocuted.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I could understand that one. That would be my concern, too. There's live wires going over here, and I'm in a big yeah. pool of water. Yeah. The dead one bodies not going to
0: kill you. Yeah. One thing's for sure, this would not happen today. No. <laughs> There's mm. a lot less renegade spirit in Hollywood these days. <laughs>
2: well, that and, you know, Steven Spielberg wants uh, you know, I need a couple dead bodies. I'm not going to go pull the fucking cadavers out of, you know, the science building. Like, no, we got some props in the back. Greg, so and I see, built us a few. We're good.
0: I see uh, Extra J has jumped into the chat. I see Extra J. Thanks so much for being here. It says, hi, all. Good to see Extra J and Elizabeth Sylvester, one of our amazing patrons. Good to see you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being here. We do appreciate it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, make sure I didn't mm-hmm. miss somebody. Uh, and if I didn't say hi to no L.S. name. Good to see you, wrote. L. No, to you, Rodan no L.S. name. Appreciate you being mm-hmm. here, bud. so, so but, yeah, uh, now that we've yeah. talked about that. <laughs> she says, a corpse won't grope your butt. Just saying. <laughs> I beg to
2: differ. I mean, you're right. Uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that depends on your definition of corpse. Anyway, speaking of this here, uh, Poltergeist curse, what I want to know, I want to know if you guys believe in the Poltergeist curse. Let us know at horror at gmail.com, the side chat, or in the comment section down below. I'm curious. What do you guys say? You guys believe in the curse?
0: I don't. No. it's I think it's uh, I, th- I think it's coincidental just like the Superman curse just like the, the supposed Superman curse the Exorcist curse the Omen curse and uh, I think there's a curse of surrounding um, a, a book called a Confederacy of dunces which you know Hollywood has been trying to make into a movie but every but because the the main character is morbidly obese in it they need kind of Hollywood you know fat men. To play this, so John Candy was once attached to it. Um, he died. A number another and everyone who has been attached to it at one, and every Hollywood fat man that's been that was attached to the film, they all died before the film could be made. So and yeah. the the original writer, the the author of the book that it was based on, that the that the film was based on, he he died by suicide. So. And some say that, that his suicide tainted the script, and it is what people talk about. And then everybody, every leading man who gets attached to this thing winds up passing away.
1: So
2: What is that, what is that
0: called? I've never heard of it. A Confederacy of Dunces.
2: So what you're saying is there might be something to this whole curse thing.
0: No, I think it's uh, something to too many triple meat, triple cheese, bacon, cheeseburgers. Yeah, right. I think it
2: was a <laughs> of no, I think it was a six pounds of bacon for breakfast.
0: It was a UNA. So terrible. Sarcasm says necrophilia it means never having to say you're sorry. Uh, 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 that's
2: so good. Uh,
0: it's so cold
2: <laughs> it. that gives a whole new meaning to the word boner
3: <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I, I like know. it when they like st- I like it when they lie still like
3: that uh, <laughs> name hell, that Liverpool. movie
0: name that movie oh uh, come on I like it when they lie still like that uh, you know it I do know it. Someone in the chat's going to get it before you do. They will because I'm fucking tired. I'll tell you this: it was John Astin who said that role. Who said that? Uh, no, I... The legendary John Astin.
2: I'm going to feel like an ass as soon as somebody says, "Oh, it was this movie." And like, yeah, of course it was.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't, I'm drawing a blank. It's been a long John long.
0: Astin as the judge in yeah. the Frighteners. Oh, when, he's bang, when he's banging the mummy, he's like, yeah. Yeah. good yeah.
3: teeth. <laughs> and then he's
0: like, huh? and then he gets up. I like it when they lie still like
3: that.
0: <laughs> 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 they don't call me the hanging judge for nothing.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. Oh, he is so the he It's going
2: to start popping up on our fucking feeds and TikTok. I know, right? Wow. Yep. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, I'm uh, a little thing for this, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Coming up, our next film, a third film for the night, uh, released June tenth, two thousand sixteen. And this is wild because last week we talked about the third one in this franchise. But now we're going to talk about the second one. It is the Conjuring Two. Mm. Let's take a look at this trailer. Conjuring Number Two, myself. <laughs> Nemo says, I tried Necrophilia, but got tired of my partner just lying there. <laughs>
3: we've well, gone too to we've hell. gone too far Here's
0: the, let's, let's check out this trailer
2: we're on an express elevator to hell man
0: <laughs> going down
2: just <laughs> fucking move <laughs>
0: just <laughs> for fuck's sake so uh directed by james Wan, uh screenplay by chad hayes carrie hayes james Wan, and david leslie johnson Um, starring Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, Francis O'Connor, Madison Wolfe, Simon McBurney, and Franca Potente. Um, loved her and run, 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 Lola, run. But, uh, but yeah, the film follows the, I guess, the continuing adventures of Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's based off of the real story, the, the real reported story of the Enfield poltergeist, in which, um... You know, Ed Lorraine claimed was an you know actual, actually technically it was Ed claiming it was an actual like demonic presence in the house, but the vast majority of people who investigated determined it was fake. But this one follows. This one follows the a very 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 fictional uh, fictional telling of that story and how Ed Lorraine defeated uh, or uh, uh, attempted to defeat a demon that was taking over the house and using other ghosts as kind of like. as a it's kind of like a weapon against the family that lived there but based you know very very loosely based on actual events and i know that like last week uh we talked about we talked about uh the conjuring 3 the devil made me do it which was based on an actual murder case that took place in uh connecticut which was the first the first murder case in that town but uh, this one is based on the Enfield pol- Poltergeist took place in 1977. This was, uh, a, I think, a couple of years or maybe a year after Amityville. After uh, the actual like Amityville case where the Lutzes uh, ran from their home. Um, I will say this. I found the third one extremely exploitative. Like, and we talked at length about how The Devil Made Me Do. It was an extremely exploitative movie despite how well it was shot and how well they've 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 gotten. I mean, they've legitimately gotten the jump scare, the camera work, the use of light and shadow. They've gotten that down to a fucking science. So they know how to pull them off. And even though like tried, drew veterans like us, we we can tell when they're coming. It's like, oh, we see the setup coming, especially yeah. when the camera's like moving towards a shadow. I wonder what's gonna come. I out I wonder there. what's yeah. going
3: to happen. Right.
0: So even though we see it coming, I will say the film is still well well is well shot. There were some good moments in this one. That's because the different. I think the big difference between Conjuring Two and Conjuring Three, whereas Conjuring Three felt extremely exploitative, this one felt more artistic. So well, I gotta, so say, while it, I gotta huh? say
2: all of these just because of the just because of the source material are, are exploitative. Like that's what Ed and Lorraine did. They were right exploited the, these bullshit fucking stories and people and whatnot. So all of this stuff just looks like horseshit to me you know what i mean oh looking looking into it
0: looking into it the the events that occurred in connecticut were largely taken directly from ed and lorraine right so that that's why i think that's why it feels so exploitative this one was taken from multiple accounts that included ed and lorraine in this and so because the conjuring series is focused on them as like these demonologists who were you you know warriors for good and shit, or warriors for god but the, no, you said it right the, first uh, the the story <laughs> the story in and of itself is basically it takes not only their perspective but the perspective of the other investigators around, not to mention uh, and also the skeptical ones, the ones that would point out. Exa- so there was a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that was that was found to be like hoaxes, where they like, said, "Nope, this was fake." You know, we don't believe this is going on. It's 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 literally the little girl herself who is like doing all this crap and they left a lot of those pieces in which i thought was was good they left the kind of the skeptical side in but then of course the vast majority of all the stuff with valak and this obviously this movie set up the nun which i know a lot of people saw and of course you know the nun's going to get a sequel as well but it also set up the crooked man because and i saw that um somebody mentioned the crooked man was kind of cool i will admit the crooked man was pretty was pretty neat um
2: they got the Crooked Man. Then there's going to be one called Spotted Dick, and then there's
0: going to be one. called... <laughs> <laughs> Diagnoses says, "I really like the Crooked Man in this movie. What was that? Was that as a yes? It was his name, based off the nursery rhymes. I would have been interested in exploring that character. Don't worry, they will be. There is a oh, Crooked yeah. Man movie coming out, so that, that is that is currently in production. Um, but yeah, this one felt a little bit more arty, a little more arty, because it wasn't solely based on their case files. It took from their case files, but did not." Follow it completely. So I actually enjoyed this one a little bit more. Plus, the nun is freaky as shit. Uh, the camera work done with the nun, I thought, was pretty nice. Especially the the you, you guys remember lights out, right?
1: Yeah.
0: The the turn the light oh, off yeah. and the figures yeah, there turn on, it on, the figures gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They pulled the same shit. And they pulled the same uh, effect in this one where the lights off and you're seeing you're looking at the painting and turn light on and you're not looking and, and then you see that yeah. oh, it was just a painting. They did the same thing here, but it was well done, really well done. So I have to admit it's the technical capacity of these movies, uh, of this movie and the first Conjuring. The first Conjuring and this one, their technical capacity is what gets me. It's like that, as a filmmaker, I go, that is really cool. Now, fuck the, you know, ignore the story. Just look at it from a technical uh, technical standard and be like, what it takes to pull these things off? I really kind of enjoy that. I was like, that's creepy as shit. You know, had,
2: had the movie not been a parade of jump scares, I would have appreciated that one so much more right but it's it's like well because we can do it we're just gonna do it over and over and over and over again and i just get em malcolm in my head you know you guys were too busy warning or not if you could you didn't stop to think you should <laughs> but, hey, Can you give us if you look at some of the some of the greatest horror films of all time right i'm mm-hmm. not saying that jump scares are bad what i'm saying that over reliance on jump scares which is what modern horror is really really attached itself to Where's the jump scare in this? Where's the 50 jump scares? It's like it's not scary anymore. There's it's just like, come on, man. Had they done like that scene with with uh, the nun in the mirror and whatnot, that's a great scene. Had that been the only one, and that been 40 fucking more in the movie that's only an hour and 45 minutes long, yeah, great. But no, it's like fuck me, can we stop with the goddamn jump scares already?
1: I it's the thing is I agree because you look at some of the best horror films, two, three jump scares that's all you need but if you right. take some of these movies that are very atmospheric it's tense yes because it's like it's tense because you can have a you can hold tension for like an hour yeah and also the point it, it wears you out and then the jump scare is almost kind of like a relief from it's like a right. I mean finally there's like the payoff on it but it's like something shot really well Mm-hmm. where you have something where like in the uh, hereditary where they have shots of just the house right and nothing happens you don't see something or the tree or the tree
0: house in the backyard right the tree, yeah the the tree with a with little backyard. with a little light on right yeah
1: and and it's just there uh when you look at the witch and you just see the woods right and they just that's that stuff that really sticks with you that's that stuff that makes you kind of it's just it's uncommon it's like you're ex- expecting something nothing happened and they just you carry on but you never get that release of that tension when you have that jump scare that tension gets released
2: so take a taking a look at some of james wan's earlier stuff if you look at look at saw the original Saw, and i'm always going to come back to a couple of movies when talking about this particular topic about jump scares and building tension so if you take a look at some of the masters who were able to craft like alfred hitchcock
0: i was Great. thinking going going back to psycho i was in yeah. psycho yeah, and john I, I, yeah. I
2: go back to i go back to Burrs on this one because there's that scene where uh Hepburn is in the she's in the uh diner and they see that there's gas going to the car and the car is going to blow up right mm. that's albert hitchcock telling you hey this is going to happen this is going to happen yet it's still going to be frightening it's still going to be scary the movie is still it still works and then you have James Wan in the original Saw. And be, be it because they were limited on time and funds, like you never really saw the super gory stuff. You kind of did here and there. There were sometimes they put it on there really quick with took it off. Like you never see the doctor actually cutting through his leg, which right. in the future you do, right? like show all the gruesome details. You don't really see the guy get his head blown off. You know what I mean? You kind of see it happens over here a little bit. And you see a couple quick pictures later. But that's a use of atmosphere It's that use of we're going to let the scary shit happen in your head because what you build in your head is going to be much more frightening to you than what I would build as a scare, a generic scare to get the most people.
0: The kick's the kick, you mentioned Psycho and the one that always gets me gets me in that one was the the original stair stairway scene when the detective yes. gets slashed in the face and then uh and then goes right. down.
3: Yeah. Because
0: that comes out of nowhere. And of course, I was the think back to Jaws. Jaws is one of the great you know, the, the original like kind of like jump scare there where it's the only one you really need. It's the shark when the shark comes out of the water. Guns and it's, just, boat, and, yeah. it's just, and it's not even that fast, it's just boom, and it's like yeah. And then because because all of a sudden he's like, he's there. You know, Ray Schneider's up there in the, in the forefront. He's like, boom, boom, and all of a sudden,
1: shark. Yeah, sharp. and he yeah. just, <laughs> just comes out for that first time. It's like,
0: whoa. And that's the first, that's a and great. And it's more
2: his reaction.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Exorcist 3, which I think arguably has the greatest jump scare in all time because all of the rules of the jump scare were reversed to make that scary. Right. And uh, I thought it was you know, just the whole, the, the, the figure, literally it's got to be like seven frames of the, the figure walking across the deal. And then of course, uh, right. oh, and then it brings up aliens or no alien. The original alien was Tom Skerritt. When okay, Tom Skerritt was in the, one, looking the around and then all of a sudden it's just like, he turns and it's boom, it's six frames of hands coming out and then it's gone. And then it's yeah. over. So,
2: but what makes that scene work is the beep. It's telling you it's that's, that's the Hitchcockian thing right there. We're telling you what's going to happen. That beep is telling you where the freaking alien is. And it's getting closer and closer and closer. So you know it's coming. And it still scares the shit out of you.
0: Right. Yeah. So I see that uh, Joshua Lee's in the house. Good to see you, Joshua Lee. our uh, One of our amazing patrons. Good to see you, Joshua Lee. Scooma Cat's in the house as well. Good to see you, Scooma Cat. And I see that Hard Hitting Films is in the house. Good to see you, Hard Hitting Films. Thank you so much for being here. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's what... Uh, I was, and I'll admit, I... I I like the technical mastery that goes along behind it, even though it's kind of predictable. It wasn't as bad as movies like The Unholy, where The Unholy was like, I think, 15, 16 jump scares through the whole thing. By the time you're just... By the by the end of it, you're just done. That movie... The, the, the Unholy is, with Jeffrey Dean Morgan is an example of a movie being ruined by jump scares. That should have been an atmospheric movie, and the plot was fantastic. This woman... This young woman who is being venerated as a potential saint, being uh, possessed by like the Virgin Mary and and you know it, it, you know miracles or you know she's performing miracles and shit, turns out it's a demon that is or it's a it's a it's a witch. It's like the ghost of a witch that is possessing her and tricking everyone. That should have been a that could have been up there with like some fucking. Um, uh, I wouldn't say. Who would I compare that to? That uh, some Suspiria stuff. Some. That could have been so atmospheric and so tight, but they relied too heavily on the jump scares to try and make that happen, and that ruined that movie.
2: It's one of the reasons why. I'm sorry, Jail. I, I just
0: no, no, it's like it was. Conjuring two it was it was worse than Conjuring one as far as its reliance upon it. Mm. Um, and for us, I think it kind of it just overwhelms it, and we eventually we just get tired of it because it's like right. we we can see it coming yeah, and it's like,
3: jump scare Con- fatigue. Yeah, yeah.
0: and yeah. Uh, Conjuring three was even worse. Um, but this one, I think this one took it to the line of like, uh, don't go any further than this.
2: I think this was, yeah, this was like the true beginning of the over-reliance on jump scare. But yeah.
1: Because the thing is, is when I watch a movie and it's like jump scare, jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. To me, it's like, is your, is your movie not good enough to hold my attention? Do you have to constantly keep reminding me, Hey, please watch, Uh, uh, please, please continue watching versus having a story, having good acting, having characters you care about. And so when the one jump scare does happen, uh, it's like a, wow, it's an impactful moment. And you remember it. I i yep. can watch Conjuring 2, and we can talk about like The Nun and maybe one or two others. I can't remember all of them.
3: The, I can remember uh, all the
2: jump scares in The Exorcist 3. I can remember yeah, all the jump scares in Alien. I can remember all the jump scares in uh, um, Friday the 13th.
0: I think the, uh, and uh, Globermom says, best jump scare for me was Friday the 13th, the original. was That like was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was a very good, was one. A good one. Good one. And Sarcasm would like to say, what you said before beforehand was why most Lovecraftian movies do not hold up to the story themselves. And I, I would agree with that. And I think uh, The Conjuring still has one that, that got me when I first saw it because I wasn't expecting it. Because I didn't, I I hadn't caught the trailers. I saw the movie beforehand, and that was when Lily Taylor is in the uh, is in the basement, and the hands come out.
3: I oh, like the hands yeah,
0: out, come, of the, yeah. right, out of right that one got me. That because I, I wasn't expecting it at all. Because and usually you can tell because the camera is is the the uh, the uh, scene is framed a certain way because you can't have it too close to the edge because you want people to be able to visualize it. So you typically you'll frame a scene so that there's room. For the scare to happen, mm-hmm. so here's Lily, and but it was great because they kept your attention on her. It was beautiful misdirection. So you have your attention on her and something going down down in the basement. So she's got the the I think the matches, and she's looking there, and there's noises coming from the and there's something coming from the basement. So she's looking down, and then all of a sudden beside her, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> that that one caught me pretty good. Other than it, it, it's the misdirection which is necessary that really really helps and unfortunately they drop that and they just they just go for the jump scare in itself there's no real misdirection I mean the whole sequence of the room where all the crosses are turning upside down uh, you know I'm you know, so
2: in, tired of that fucking trope
0: right that, that trope but the, the with the cameras going on I thought it was like oh there we go and then all of a sudden there's a giant shadow right in the corner it's like come on guys yeah right it's yeah. like you're not even trying yeah anymore. yeah you're
2: uh, fucking 12 come on man
1: and, see, and another thing that you can help in terms of jump scare, instead of just having something jump out and grab, sometimes having the sheer brutality, like on Sinister.
3: Yeah, where it's, yes. where it's
1: just like the, the lawnmower kill where you see this lawn and you're like, Wait, what's going on? Oh god, as it goes over like the family. Yeah, and because it's not necessarily jumpy in the way it's done, but it's just that quick brutality. It's really
2: unexpected, especially when you right. see it with, like this kid just ran over his family with a
0: fucking lawnmower
1: exactly yeah. yeah and that sticks with you
0: right um diagnosis horror brings up insidious had one that was the this other one was the the lipstick demon that appeared behind patrick wilson and uh that brief moment where it's just like where lynchay looks up and it's like standing behind him and then all of a sudden it's gone yeah that was a pretty that was pretty, but unfortunately spoiled in the damn trailer yes so. yeah. that, was,
1: that was the <sighs> best jump scare in the entire because it breaks the rules. It's Daylight. daylight in horror yeah. films you are safe and <laughs> not only is it daylight you're in with a group of people yeah right they're just having they're the having rules. the regular uh counseling session so it's just like a, oh you're safe your guard's down and then it just hits you right there it's a brilliant jump scare
0: Spoiled. let's see tony regime says best jump scare was at the end of the of uh, the banana boat song in beetlejuice the, uh, the the uh, shrimp hands coming out. Yeah, that was the funniest. That, that that movie is fucking brilliant. Yeah. The the one thing I also wanted to because and I found this to be interesting is that this particular film relied storytelling wise relied very very heavily on the on the Amityville case. And as horror fans, we're all familiar with One Twelve Ocean yeah. Avenue. We're all familiar with that uh, with that uh, Dutch colonial in New York in Long Island. That supposedly the Lutzes bought, uh, you know, the DeFeo murders took place there. And then they ran out of there 28 days later. Ah, 28 days later. Mm. And they run out 28 days later because the place is supposedly haunted with a demon and shit. And of course... It's well, not I
2: haunted lo- with a demon. It's haunted with a gigantic renovation
0: bill. <laughs> with a huge renovation bill. This <laughs> is true. Because a Dutch could... Because I think a turn of this... Oh, no, no How old was that house? Is was over 100 years old. But that house, I mean, would be oh, astronomical. Really? And I hear, mm-hmm. I hear today now it's. I think today it's it's a bed and breakfast nowadays. I think. Oh yeah, think. it
2: is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, bed and breakfast.
0: So and they the, play on the
2: Amityville horror thing too.
0: The the, the kicker on that one, that because that one was so legendary, and they they set up the, all of Conjuring Two is pretty much set up uh, by by pretty much you know springboarding off of the Amityville case, even recreating the whole sequence, recreating the murders, recre and then recreating the seance that was done in the house. And uh, the Amityville case. Now, the Amityville franchise started off. You know, Margot Kidder, Josh, Bro, uh, yep. Josh, Bro, Josh Brolin, uh, Margot 17, Kidder. Seventeen of them things, isn't there? Seventeen. Of them there's more. There's more so, than It's that. like twenty two, twenty three. That's right. it's, it's, It, it, it was is the it there. is the largest, largest like yeah. thematically joined right. Uh, uh, right. franchise horror franchise out there. I think I saw Amityville in space. It took them like twenty-something films to get to space, but they finally went there. I Amityville really went in there. space, and I think Am- oh, there was fucking an, words there was even I think there was an Amityville in the hood.
2: Just stop! Just You're not stop. even trying sure. anymore. Yeah, no, yeah.
0: Amity yeah. Amityville in the hood. Yeah, was yeah. so. <laughs> it's it, I mean it's out of control, but that just goes to show the lasting effect that the, the name Amityville right. uh, has in the pretty much the collective uh, horror you know collective horror memory um that's the legacy of this was was springboarding off of this one and obviously that franchise is uh, it's out of it's out of fucking control i don't even know i guess they're just giving people the name to use to just slap on a fucking movie and try to sell something
1: i mean i feel like at a point we can make an amityville movie and people just like eh, okay
2: yeah we should make an amityville movie
1: we really should. Gotta
2: throw one in there. Just, just, just. Why not? Everybody else
1: is doing it. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> just passing <laughs> it out like handy.
2: That's that. You know. That's that. Uh, that hooker that gets around. Yeah. yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I so that joke. <laughs> but I will. Say, I will say the original Amityville Horror really uh, was was good. Was really really solid. There were some really good moments in that one. And then of course uh, the the remake with Ryan Reynolds, which I thought was actually quite good was The Ryan Reynolds because that just showcased Ryan Reynolds' uh acting, yeah. He was fantastic in that,
2: yeah. Another remake that was soulless, but there are some really good performances there, yeah. Ryan yeah Melissa, Wilson,
0: George, think, is great. Melissa great. George is great, yeah. She's yeah. fantastic, and yeah. I loved and I love the fact that we finally get to see Ryan Reynolds. You know, because we're so used to the we're so used to the Ryan Reynolds that, well, at,
2: that at that time I think he would only done maybe two serious roles and nobody really watched him. Yeah, I mean he was, he was, no pretty, he was Van boy, Wilder. Waiting. Yeah, he was Van Wilder. Yeah. He was waiting. You know, he was kind of this goofy kid, and now here he is. We just watched you in Van Wilder. Now you're murdering your family. And, he's,
0: and, you? and he was intimidating and scary,
2: genuine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, oh, Joshua Lee mentions uh, Johnny O, did you show jail that Winnie the Pooh movie I talked about? I've seen, I haven't watched the whole thing though, with The because Winnie, Winnie the Pooh recently entered the public domain and the, so this Winnie the Pooh horror movie came out that we owe this, I guess, two serial killers with a Pooh mask and a piglet mask and apparently they eat Eeyore and it's... <laughs> Alright, check that out. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check it out. Watch party. No, we should do that, yes, Definitely. Yeah. So um this particular one, I think it was I think this is where the Conjuring should have the Conjuring franchise should have ended, but of course it didn't. Yeah, we got I we got the nun finished. off of this one. The Curse of La Llorona was a yo know, uh it came you know was another spin off. And of course we're gonna get the crooked man as well. We got the conjuring three. And I don't know
2: So glad you didn't mention the other one. Like God. don't do it. Just leave it alone. Don't do it.
0: Wait, um Don't Don't do it. No. The Nun, Curse don't, of All your Don't,
2: don't, or I will leave this the stream. The Crooked Man. Don't do it. I will leave.
0: I don't think there was another one.
2: Okay, we'll leave it at that. Good. Next. Next movie.
0: So release wow. June 11th. No. So, um, <laughs> but given that we were talking about jump scares, the over-reliance on jump scares, and how different franchises use them differently, and they can be used to, to positive effect, and of course negative effect, they can actually ruin what could potentially be a good movie. Um, I want to ask the audience... So, oh, Annabelle! God damn it! <laughs> Thank you, Angel Rivera.
3: <laughs>
0: Thank you, Angel Rivera. <laughs> so, I want to ask the audience um, of the two fran- two big franchises that are kind of connected by James Wan and uh, Lee wannell who is dr- who's pretty much handling the other one. Do you prefer the Insidious franchise? Or the Conjuring franchise? Which one do you dig? The Insidious franchise following more along, you know, Lin Shay's character investigating demons that live in the Astral Plane? Or do you prefer uh, the Conjuring franchise based on the works, uh, based on the, the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren? Uh, let us know in the comments below, or of course in the live chat, or at WeekendHorror at gmail.com. All right, Eugene, take us home. And this this was, I'm glad we got to end on this one. And Annabelle, had like, like three, Annabelle had like three fucking movies.
2: You motherfucker, stop it!
0: Yeah, I know, right? does of, nothing. Yes, of a
2: fucking nothing. That does absolutely nothing. Fucking hate that. We should have had.
1: We should have had that on the blood bath. Yeah. Annabelle what are you? Versus, versus versus
2: Annabelle six there. Annabelle
0: versus the moth. Annabelle moth is worth. <laughs> Annabelle versus bath. Annabelle versus gravity. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, talking to a million people. Whatever what we do now.
0: <laughs> Angel Rivera says, sorry, Johnny. Not <laughs> no, you're not, Angel. No, you're not. It looks like oh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's a good beer, actually. That is a and, very good beer. Uh and a lot of love for the Insidious franchise, Insidious over uh Conjuring. So well, of I course. have to agree. I cool. like the oh, Insidious uh, Franchise. It better. That creepy dude yeah, so with the, with the keys with the keys in its fingers, and then the chick is screaming, and then it and turned off her scream, and like yeah. like like with the, I was like that was that was weird. I think that, that
2: was, yeah, the, those dream like sequences, right? You've had some fucked up dreams like that, you know. You have, you know, oh, you've yeah. oh yeah, like that before, and when they when they were able to tap into that in the city, it was like mm, that's not nice.
3: <laughs>
2: uh-huh. I remember that nightmare.
0: And then he says, Wait, there's a difference? Yes, there is a decided <laughs> difference between the two.
1: Well, all right. All right. Our, our last film is Sensor, which was released June 11th, 2021. Let's
2: take a look at this trailer. This better be a good one.
0: That's not the reaction I was expecting.
1: No, no, I, I, I don't know. Mike might not have picked it up, but as soon as the trailer ended, the cat outside the door goes.
2: Yeah. The freaking director of that movie gonna be watching this show, right? And as soon as the trailer ends, you just gonna start laughing like. Oh, they're gonna be so defeated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he like built up for this one moment, like finally they're wow. talking about my oh,
2: oh man, they're gonna turn <laughs> the stream and then oh
1: well, back to accounting. <laughs> 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 All right, directed by Prano Bailey Bond. Starring, why do you do this to him? Nienheim Alger, Nicholas Burns, Vincent Franklin, Sophia Laporta, Adrian Skiller, and Michael Smiley. Hey, hey, golf clap! (laughs) (laughs) Well done, well done, done. yes. And basically, what you have is you have as a woman who works as a film censor in the British area in about the 80s, and she comes across a film related to her sister's mysterious
0: disappearance. And shit gets real. There it is. Yes, (laughs) Yes, it does. Yes, it absolutely does. Joshua Lee would like to say the cat is coming from
3: inside the house.
0: So I have to I have to admit this one really really impressed me and uh, we're gonna dive into it because there's a lot of technical stuff about the movie that I thought was really really good um, uh, and I want to make sure that I uh, pronounce her name correctly but uh, Neam Algar's performance because she's in uh, Raised by Wolves right now over on HBO she was uh, she played Travis Bimble's wife and uh that's in, in that series. Isn't
2: that called uh, walk, walk like a man. Like what? Raised by Wolves. Walk like a man
0: uh uh-huh. but she was um but she was fantastic in this. I thought she was great it was the entire thing is well acted um this okay correct uh, the, I got from this one and i I mentioned this to Johnny uh the other day is yeah. that this film feels very much like a kind of like a spiritual sequel to Saint Maud. I gotta see that.
2: I'd have to spend more time with censor and Saint Maud. I need to rewatch yeah. Saint Maud. But I had to spend more time with both the films. To I would have
1: to, it. I would have to watch them like back to back and really, like yeah. really think about and compare the two.
0: What got me about was the, uh, is that the film is very, uh, even though the film centers around, um, yeah, absolutely, Sir Catherine, right? watching her fall apart one little bit at a time, It's just like as 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 her world. Is slowly coming apart it was very very similar to saint Maud in that respect and shot with the same care and the same vulnerability as saint Maud was as we are we are journeying with this young woman who is currently in a very in, in her mind in her position uh, this was because this is set during 19, in 1985 during the period of the, the during the video nasty period when that's why there were come-
2: vhs tapes by the way right.
0: and yeah. uh so when v, when VJ's VJ's tips were able to release directly to the market and yep. kind of like circumvent the uh, the censor, and so the video nasty epidemic was a huge moment, or it was a watershed moment in uh, in English film in English film history, because people started cracking down really really hard on what they considered to be obscene or objectionable material that could affect the populace by inspiring. Violent crime or murder, or so you know, basically desensitizing uh the youth and causing an uptick in crime. And there was actually a crime that they they blamed the the uh the murder of um, I was a little boy, uh, uh, Bulger, I think his last name was it was a uh, kill was blamed on child's play three. And that kind of inspiration, so you take this character who is stuck in the middle of this, who is being viewed. Kind of like the public is this necessary thing, this venerated position of protecting the populace, and in her mind, she is doing that as well. But it flips the script on that—that that subjecting oneself to this on a daily basis, with and having to go back and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch—that eventually, that desensitization, that desensitization that they are afraid of, is in turn happening to them. Throw on top of this a previous trauma similar to St. Maud, where she had a previous trauma and then doubled down on her faith and then began to crumble as that began to fall, as it, as it began to kind of like fall apart. And then we've on her on her mental ruin. This follows the same kind of trope. And I felt it was the same thing. It was like, we double down on the things that protect us from the traumas of our past instead of dealing with those traumas. And then in doubling down on them, they we realize we eventually recognize that they are wholly insufficient, and so we journey with her as she eventually comes to her to a horrific conclusion, which I loved. And this is where it gets into the technical capacity because the way this story was told, camera wise, moving between thirty five millimeter, Super Eight, and uh, and uh, standard and more contemporary uh, film, I really really love that, especially conveying mental states with that this goes back to the first film we, the the first film we talked about where we need uh, the remake of the omen we need that old kind of that old style film because it speaks to us in an emotional way that the current contemporary standard does not
1: yeah this was i i really enjoyed it. first of all the color use in this film is amazing mm-hmm. the lighting very, very good yes here.
0: and especially and, and, in, the, and, in the in the, the fourth scene at the end yeah the in that whole sequence sorry in the what when they were in the woods.
2: The forest scene.
0: The forest. The forest scene. <laughs> yeah. You. Whatever. Okay. The way you
2: the said fo- it, I'm sorry, I'm tired. The, the forest way
0: scene. It. In the forest it's scene really at the, the end. And we're not going to spoil how it, how it happens. But that whole sequence, I agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, this is it, cinematography is amazing. They like said, they put a lot of thought into it. I like the choice of switching between formats because you have, going back, it has that nice 1985 feel to it. And it almost kind of has a Suspiria original kind of colorization to it, um, except Suspiria is a little bit more color pop. This is more like kind of about colors, but a little bit muted on it. And it just it played into it really well. This is this is one of those little gems, and this is why I like doing this podcast because this is a movie I'd never heard of until it was on the list, and now like I watched it and I want to go back and watch it again. Hell I yeah. want to com- I want to compare it and I want to take a n- little bit nuggets off
2: of it. What I would like to do is I would like to kick everybody out of the house I uh, we uh, I say that. We redid upstairs a little bit and I've got this like nice surround sound system and big screen TV. I'd love to put this on that and then just, you know, kick everybody out and be able to focus on this movie and really absorb all that stuff, you know what I mean? Like back when you used to go to the theater. Yeah, and that,
0: that's that—that's that thirty-five millimeter effect, which we're, which I'm finding that that's what and that's what struck me. We're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, filmmakers nowadays. It's become kind of like the auteur thing. Is going back and shooting on 35 mm Yeah, sometimes
2: though I think it's just pretentious. So people, again, like I said before, some people just say I shot on 35 millimeter film. I drink my tea with my pinky out. Oh,
0: <laughs> I bring my vinyl
1: player to Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. but I
0: think that, but I think that this this plays to it because the 30, shooting the whole film on 35 millimeter, similar to how it would have been done in 1985, intersplicing VHS scenes, VHS quality uh, footage, and uh, uh, um, Super Eight uh, mm-hmm. footage within it in order to convey. That I don't know if it's if it's tapping at the nostalgia door, but it does convey emotions differently, and I think it's simply because of the way color saturates and how yeah I think that's light is captured.
2: The, I think that's just I again I think that's because we grew up with that stuff, so there is that nostalgia factor. Like you know you know what I mean. Like when you're driving down the road or whatever, and you hear a song that you first heard in the '80s like a Duran Duran song or some shit, and you automatically get transported back to the first time you can remember hearing that song and the things you felt and the smells and where you were and all that. You know what I mean? That's what this type of film does because it's drawing on. I, I don't think that it would have the same type of effect for someone who didn't grow up with this. You know what I mean? So I think that's where that aesthetic comes into play is they tickling our our... I remember when i first saw a movie like this back in the 80s or the 90s or whatever you know what I, mean? I think that's how that i think that's the reason why it works with us older folks and maybe not so much with the younger kids because the younger kids might look at this thing and like eugene was talking about earlier and say this thing's like shit it's all grainy and whatnot
1: i mean that's true and it'll be interesting to see that if you showed this to like a teenager what what like they would think about it and going back to it, it's like oh well using film being pretentious and everything like that is honestly most people can't tell today most people they they just can't and they or they'll they use this bragging right whatever about it um but this is actually uses that to the effect it's like you if you want to shoot on 35 millimeter have a an actual legitimate reason for it and it fits with the style of film that this is and what the story they're trying to portray versus oh we got two people sitting at a table at a coffee shop but we want 35 millimeter because yeah whatever like
2: the irishman right so the irishman is digital but made to look like 35 millimeter
1: yeah and it's like most movies today are shot digitally
0: it's just cheaper I thought it was a little it would, something that, that stood out to me. It was weird seeing because there were two actors that, that popped up. This uh, Neam Algar is like I said is magnificent in this. I've loved her in pretty much everything I've watched her in. It was weird. It was kind of odd seeing Nicholas Burns. Nicholas Burns popped up. Um, people would probably re- recognize him from Manstruck Woman with Nick Frost. It was a, he's typically a, co- a comedic actor, and then Michael Smiley as well, who was on Spaced. Um, it was the he was the cycle courier and the acid de- the uh, the acid trance DJ in space which is weird seeing uh and i love seeing i love seeing the old uh comedic actors that i that i grew up with uh you know popping up here and there but all of the performances in this are are utterly fantastic and i loved how i loved how uh they how the director how um prano bailey bond was able to capture the kind of i don't want no no i'm gonna have to call it the misogynistic nature of the film industry of the '80s, and how women were viewed, and it was regardless whether you're an actor and a director, or whether you are, no matter where you were involved in, is not only the relationship between men and women in this, which further serves to alienate Enid, Enid's character, in her journey to try and, and try and find her sister, what she thinks is her sister, and then her her uh, explosive journey to discovering the truth of what uh, the truth of what happened, and then of but then of course how it, what, it wasn't just relegated to the film industry. And uh, not to mention the natural misogyny that was going on that seemed to be, you know, the, you know, the kind of mentality at the time of men in power and women in subservient positions. But the view that here you have, and I loved how they captured this. This was brilliant in the performance and worked so well, was you've got uh, Michael Smiley who plays the producer of this movie, who then gets, who wants Enid to watch it. So he's in the power position as a producer on a film set. He's used to the power position. He's also a man. He's also an award-winning producer. So he's used to this. And here sits this waifish little woman who can now, you know, end his movie with a stroke of a pen.
2: Uh, by the way, that is not JL accusing this woman of being a waifish little woman. That's JL stepping into the mentality of the time. Just want to make that clear. It's how all she of, was portrayed.
3: Well no, no, no. I just again just want <laughs> yeah. to make that
2: clear for all the cancel culture yeah. buckers out there.
0: Yep. <laughs> and so how Enid is portrayed as all of a sudden the woman is in the woman is in the position of power over men. That typically are that typically are that are very used to having the positions yeah, of power,
2: definitely and then what
0: and, to, and then what culminate, can. yeah, and then how those can be and how those situations can be attempt to be twisted against them. So and then of course culminating in the sequence that took place at the producer's house. So I want,
2: I want to I want to address sarcasm. Sarcasm, no, I didn't say that if you like it, you're old. That's not what I said about this movie, and that's not what I said about thirty five millimeter. What I said was it probably I said it works more for us older folks who grew up with this type just because if you like the aesthetic you like the aesthetic but there's a lot of people that the reason why we dig on vinyl we dig on cassette tape we dig on 35 millimeter because it's that 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 throw of nostalgia that's why stranger things worked with an older audience even though it was a bunch of little kids in this movie mm-hmm. uh, because they they took they took the goonies they took stephen king and they took that that vintage feel of the '80s and put it all together. And people fucking Spielberg,
0: Richard Donner, right? Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Right. The 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 things that made the '80s and '90s fucking great. They were able to capture that. So they that's what makes Stranger Things such a great show because it appeals to the younger generation and it appeals to the older generation. But it's that the era of nostalgia for us, you know knowing where we were like the the (laughs) intro that we have on jay on bridges divide right we put that together that 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 right i remember seeing that in movie theaters i remember that being the opening to a to film
0: feature presentation
2: yeah yeah. yeah you know what i mean i remember the singing popcorn and hot dogs i remember this shit you know <laughs> so it brings us it, the, you know that 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 aesthetic that 35 millimeter let's aesthetic let's all go to the
0: movies yeah
2: right
3: yeah,
0: the, it, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember watching it <laughs> exactly
2: but that's again it's not saying that you you know that uh if you're young you're not going to appreciate or not going to like the movie it's how it works for us older generation folk because of, because it takes us back to when we were kids. Because it's like, oh man, yeah, that fucking reminds me.
0: That yeah. may be the reason why we connect with why, why it just it speaks to us on a more emotional level than your standard stuff does. But yeah, that was one of the biggest issues that what you're bringing up is that that 35 millimeter VHS. Well, VHS was a way of mass producing. VHS had a quality to it that it, with digital, digital is very easily mass produced. Right. You can go direct to DVD. Like nowadays, you can go. You can shoot a movie. You can, go direct and you can to have. You can have. You can have a streaming release, a DVD release, and a theatrical release simultaneously. Yep. Back in the day, and I hate to say it because it makes me sound so fucking old, but back in the day, back you had on, a theat- you had a theatrical release. It ran its it ran its course, and then you waited upwards of you could wait upwards of two years
3: yep. for, a home, for a home
0: for a home yeah. for a, a home distribution, yeah. where I could finally get it on VHS, yep. or then eventually or, or beta because I remember beta I had a exactly. beta player in my house, yep. beta release or a VHS release or now a DVD release. But nowadays it, the the system is so streamlined that we can get streaming automatically. Yep. We can get DVDs the same day, and we could go and watch the I could literally go and watch the movie. Go to Walmart and buy a copy of the DVD, and then go home and watch it again on streaming. And I yeah. could do it that's in three different more, formats.
2: That's a little more recent, but even still, when you take a look at, it, I mean, the way but that, that mass
0: production
3: is the mass production that takes away from you. it. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, because again, you know, it used to be like I. I feel so bad for my father, but when my brothers and I were younger, and the original Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles came out, he would pick us up on his weekend. What do you guys want to go do? We're gonna go watch a movie. We, we made him, we fucking made him go to that
0: movie <laughs> six
2: months straight. It's not even, it's not an exaggeration. Because
0: well, we were all like, Oh, Raphael, yeah, the right. he, said, yeah. Oh, he said, Damn, oh, it's all adult, yeah. <laughs> right? So,
2: exactly. And my, I swear, my father just had the patience of a, this again. That hey, let's go watch a movie, yeah, we watched the shows. We watched last week, but that's what we want to watch. There's nothing else we want to watch. Let's watch it, but for, like six months straight nowadays, you get two maybe 3 weeks and then it's done.
0: And Globermom, I miss going to the drive-in Me as well. Too. I remember I still it's I was 4 years old. It's still cemented in my mind. I got to see Gremlins at the drive-in. My so first I,
2: was nice. Star Trek
0: 4. I'm still it's still like I remember the very first experience of 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 seeing the speaker like hung on the window. On the window, yeah. And, and it just it, it just blew my mind. I ours, remember that experience I've, I've, I've seen that it. it's one of my favorite one of my favorite memories
2: ours had the the AM radio station that you could you
0: could tune into that you would you would actually tune into yeah yeah XRJ says damn I remember watching something in the theater or missing it and waiting forever for it to show yeah. up on VHS for purchase or rent right you know, back in the days of oh, oh, Global Mom says Star Wars for her. Mm. nice
3: yeah nice so yeah
0: and it's it's a little bit different it's like we say the difference between vinyl and CD you know vinyl sounds better but then again vinyl was more meticulously created and doesn't require uh and CDs don't require as much effort in order to create them CDs can be mass produced very very quickly yep. um because essentially just plastic uh, whereas vinyls that those had to be pressed yep. that was like boom 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 and that required so the first
2: thing you do with a vinyl is you have to make what they call a glass master for the pressing you had to make your pressing master <laughs> And that takes time. And then you have to you run your vinyl. The first 10 percent are gonna be fuck ups. And then you take that and you package them on, send them on, whatever. But yeah, it was a, it's a process. It's a huge and goddamn the band that I'm in. I'm still waiting for my copy of it, but the band that I'm in now, we're working with now, we released our last album on vinyl, and the expense of that was rid- Just for two hundred and fifty copies was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So the big thing about sensor, what what would- what rang for me is obviously the emotional appeal of the film the story it's telling the social commentary of it of, of not to mention you know, not just the relationship between uh, filmmakers at the time and the people that were governing films at the time the relationship between men and women at the time especially in a professional setting uh, what was expected of women then all of a sudden women, women are put in this uh, area of power I love how that was all uh, placed out of course backdrop by you know, 1985 and of course the video nasty epidemic when the censors were cracking down on everybody saying you can't have this you can't have this yeah. this is this is wrong mm-hmm. this is incorrect i loved how all of this way not to mention the I, the concept the psychological concept that that which we use to try and escape our traumas eventually winds up leading us right back into them and completely unprepared to deal with them and eventually as eugene likes to say shit can get real which it really does in this one and that's why I consider this very much. If you wanted to do a double, uh, like a double screening, uh, you could double screen. You could uh, uh, double screen this with Saint Maud, and thematically they're very much the same. Just this particular one uh, censors about filmmaking, and the other one is about religion and how memory and trauma and what we choose to make ourselves believe factor into these. And hmm, kind of
2: like, uh, kind of like M Night Shyamalan signs.
3: Hmm. Right. Definitely. So for those I do have who your really
2: reactions, JL, because your reactions so, are fucking priceless.
0: So for which you can only see if you're here on the live show. So That's all true. of you listening out there, come check out the live show. What is it um, I? But this will definitely this will definitely tap the nostalgia button for a lot of people out there. But I want to give a ton of credit to the filmmakers behind this because it's technically this it's just masterful filmmaking it's classic masterful masterful filmmaking in a modern age it came out last year 2021 yep. and to get a movie that feels like this to feel like it came straight from 1986 1985 was just absolutely it's, it's so much a fun
2: good storytelling yeah,
0: with a good with a good solid story and top-notch acting across the board i mean it, um, and also
1: on top of that it's it's a film that feels on oh, it, it doesn't feel like it's a copy it's and paste like so many other right. new films. It, this is, exactly. This yeah. is, this film brings something new to the genre, which you don't see very often.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Which,
1: which I actually I like to ask the audience since this is a psychological horror film, what is your favorite psychological horror film? There are a mm. lot of good ones yep. out there. There's so many
2: to choose from. So many to choose from.
0: On oh, golly.
2: God. Where would I even start?
0: I like there's a, there, I mean yeah it, it's there's I mean there's lots that I that I really really enjoy myself I it, I would have to really think about it and that's why I, I can't wait to hear what people have to say, but you know what it's about that time and oh, it it's time. trivia time It yeah. is. oh uh, yeah it is trivia time and I'm doing something special oh I'm doing no. something special uh because this one is kind of a tough question. That Eugene, that uh, Johnny's gonna be giving y'all. Really, really get those you know, get those Google fingers ready. I'm giving away a number, a Week in Horror Limited Edition shirt number one. Mm. I'm gonna go into the vault Ooh. and we're gonna pull out the very first Week in Horror Limited Edition shirt, the number one, and I'm going to give it away to the winner of this trivia question. But this is a tough one, so. We'll see, who, see how long it takes to, to, for someone to find this answer. So, uh, Weekend Horror Limited Edition number one shirt. The very first Limited Edition shirt we ever made. We're going to be giving away one to the winner of this question. Go ahead, Johnny. Give it to him.
2: All right, all you horror files. What was the first horror film shot on 35mm? Once more. What was the first horror film shot <sighs> on 35mm? i have to pull up the live chat
0: (laughs) let's see get this one uh no quick
2: answer so it's a tough one
0: yeah this is a tough one let's see no tony regime not texas chainsaw massacre N.A.N.A. Oh, really? says,
1: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, little ear- a little earlier than that one. A little yeah, earlier than 1974. Go earlier. Angel Rivera says, The Cursed. Nope, not The Cursed.
2: Getting colder.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Travis Brown says, Thomas Edison's Frankenstein. No, nope. and Joshua oh, Lee, my. not Creepazoids either. Mm-mm. This may take a moment.
2: This is a, yeah. This is a Google foo.
0: This is a Google Vu one. Yes, this is, and it's a it's
1: a pretty it's a pretty big one too.
0: By At the way, the exactly, earlier. it's actually a, a, a pretty prominent uh, movie that.
2: By the way, while we're waiting for this, uh, I intentionally misled people earlier to show that most people can't tell the difference between digital and real thirty five millimeter. I said the Irishman was shot digitally, and 35 millimeter was added. It's actually incorrect. It was really shot on 35 millimeter. People can't tell the difference.
0: People can't. Tony regime says "Race with the Devil." No, nope, not "Race nope. with the Devil." Older. Come on, I know y'all can find it. You are older, yeah. older. Yeah. Think, 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 old. Think like real classic, like yeah. the, like the beginnings of the horror genre in film.
2: The, well, really, the beginnings of film. Yeah, gotta go way back.
0: Oh yeah, way back in the Wayback machine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know someone's gonna get it here pretty soon. Someone's gonna find it. <laughs> Come on, for a weekend horror limited edition shirt number one. We'll go wait. ahead and give him. Go ahead and give him the question again.
2: The house of the devil. Negative.
0: Oh, sarcasm. Getting close.
2: You're getting very close. However.
0: Getting close. <laughs> oh, Tony Rizzi said Nosferatu. Nosferatu. No. Almost um, there. So yep. close. So That's close. Here it is.
2: Globermom. Boom. Globermom. Yay. Yay. <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh-huh. That's a tough one.
0: That is. That congratulations. Is a one. That was oh, I gotta come up with more like that. That was fun. Uh Mom, yes. The reason
2: why Nosprof is incorrect because it was not shot on 35 millimeter. it was shot on eight
0: millimeter. So Mom, congratulations. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari in nineteen twenty. Was shot on was the first horror film shot on 35 millimeter film. So congratulations, Glober mom, way to go. We're gonna get that. I think I'm pretty sure I have your shipping details. Go ahead. What was up, Eugene? Oh, I was just saying, nice. So I will get that. I'm pretty sure I have your shipping details. If you need to update them, let me know what the new ones are, and uh, we will get your weekend horror limited edition number one shirt out to you asap. Congratulations, way to go. Good job. Oh, right. Well, that's going to bring... What? what? What's up?
2: This better be wrong.
0: What's going to be wrong? <sighs> nothing.
2: What? Just do your outro. I'm upset
0: now. Oh, did you, what'd you find out? Oh,
2: no. I want to speak it.
0: Oh, is it something about the Conjuring universe? No. Annabelle 4? <laughs> <laughs> the doll continues to do nothing.
2: The doll sits there. Again.
0: It's still sitting there to this day. (laughs) Uh, So that's going to bring another episode of Week in Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. Join us next week when we look back at the British splatter horror comedy Doghouse, the Richard Matheson horror The Legend of Hell House, the black comedy slasher The Driller Killer. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a a porn.
2: Inspired,
0: the Driller Killer and the original rodent horror Willard. We're going really across the pond, aren't we? We are. We'd like to send a special shout out to all of our amazing patrons who help to continue who, who continue to help us make Weekend Horror the incredible sex, success it has become. You see all of your names in the banner down there. The link, <laughs> Fast and Furious is it Fast and Furious Eleven? <laughs> NANA says. The link uh, to the Patreon is down in the description below. Check it out. You can see all the cool stuff that you get. And of course, your name in the banner scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Thank you also very, very much for your support. Be sure to stop by Joshua Olson's store, badsamurai.store. He does all the amazing artwork, including the artwork on the Weekend Horror Limited Edition shirt number one, which Globermom just won. And his designs are absolutely incredible. He's got new stuff all the time. Go ahead and give him a look at badsamurai.store. For more fun... Be sure to follow us on the socials where you will get the daily splatter right to your feed. Check us out at Digital Darkness, our new YouTube gaming channel, hosted by Alienx Gaming, another one of our amazing patrons. Remember, you too can help combat the evil algorithm by dropping a comment, liking, subscribing, smashing that bell as if it were a UA Bowl waving a new game adaptation script in your face for all the latest updates from the show. And lastly, if you love what we do here and would you like to and are able to support the production, you can't do our Patreon. Because we all go a little mad sometimes, you can show your weak and horror love by joining one of the tiers. Join your fellow fanatics, slashers, possessed, and mastermind patrons for all kinds of cool stuff behind the scenes. All kinds of cool access. And if Patreon is not your favorite stalking method, you can always support us directly through PayPal. Links to all of this, including our Discord community, where you can find trailers, trivia games, horror watch parties, share your own content, and even interact directly with the crew are down in the description. As always, sharing the show with the fans in your local horror community is the best way to help us further our goals of global horror domination. Thank you all for being the greatest audience a little horror podcast could ever have. I am JL. I'm Eugene. And I'm
2: some boring guy.
0: (laughs) We'll see you all next week And as always Stay scared
3: See ya